This is what we start every show. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Some old school jams. Why do you think that this music has just gone away? Not, not, not where I'm from. Right. Yeah, I know, but like, there's such soul in this, right? That's right. Yeah. You go to this last swap meet, you'll hear this all day long. Right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> sir. Keeping it real. Go to the hood, go visit the homies, Mr. Cartoon. Her voice is like, there's nothing like that. There's such and I and every yeah school funk. And every time I start this podcast with a song, I, it's like I'm surprised how much I like it every time I hear it. How can you not? Her voice is like, oh my lord. I didn't know you. She just want to hear something new. That's all. You know, uptown funk. Yes, was, sir. Right? Don't you think? Mm-hmm. But it, it that back that <sighs> right, and then she just goes, "I'm gonna fuck you up with this." Tell me something, girl. Oh my god, guys! Welcome to Fairly Normal. Josh Wolf, Clifton, Clifton Collins Jr. Right here. Hey, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming in, dude. Yeah, it's good to be here. Buddy. We were having a little bit of a conversation up. Uh, there's so there, look, there. A ton of things that I want to talk to you about. A ton, ton, ton. But and let's not start with the IMDb page that lists 105 acting credits, which is like, I, 105, starting when? What year? Starting 88. 88? Mm-hmm. So th- let's not start with that. I do have a question about, you changed your name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You also have, you, you're- Just trying time? to, trying to, trying to act out on that diversity thing. Yeah? Is that- <laughs> uh, I'm just one guy, though. You know, I- yeah, but you had to double last name. At, you know, it helped in some ways. Did it? Because well, it was just- Clifton Gonzalez Gonzalez. Well, first it was Clifton Collins because my birth name. I didn't enter the business thinking, oh, let me enter, like, you know, John Wayne's name was Marion Thoroughgood. I can understand. You it know, was? Yeah, it was his real name. Don't call me Mary. Can you imagine like the dude is like, I told you not to call me By Mary. the way, I saw a young picture of John Wayne. Huh? Dude is handsome as fuck. Good looking guy. I'd never yeah. seen a young John Wayne. I was like, yeah. damn, uh-huh. that dude is, he, he was packing some heat. No, for sure. Uh, but uh, so I, I changed my name to Gonzalez Gonzalez after about, I think, three years of acting. And it's because my grandfather's complaining about how nobody remembers the trailblazers or all the... Right. The old timers. And you talked about John Wayne today, who's a t- teenager. They're not going to know what the hell you're talking about. No, no idea. You know what I mean? So um, My son doesn't know who John Wayne is. Yeah. So I, I said, hey, Grandpa, I said, what if I take your name? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, Clifton, you know, Clifton. And then instead of Craig Collins, I'll be, you know, Gonzalez Gonzalez. And then people are like, well, how, how the hell are you going to name like Clifton? Yeah. But the funny thing is, is I knew something was wrong because my friends all told me not to do it. And I said, well, this isn't about the business. This is about my grandpa. Yeah. That's it. So uh, to go in and change it, like, but you're, you're changing the name to, to Gonzalez Gonzalez. So when I walk into the casting, I'm like, oh, Clifton Gonzalez Gonzalez. So uh, wait, tell me, uh, uh, what's your background, Clifton Mexican Mexican? <laughs> That's what they hear. Clifton Mexican Mexican. <laughs> I had a... I'm like, well, I'm German. Okay, Mexican. And Apache. Oh, Mexican. And I'm Mexican. Oh, grab that. And they're like, oh, oh yes, you're Mexican. Uh, so, but you were more... Typecast, apparently, with the were they expecting an accent out of you? Well, it's funny because I had a problem early on controlling my accent because I, I, I uh, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Culver City. Okay. Yeah, I was. Um, I looked white. Had I had a really thick black accent, and then I had a Mexican last name. A like thick twice black accent. Yeah, I had a lot of hood friends that like even if you like go to Watts, I yeah. got some homeboys in Watts that are Latino, 
but uh, there's a lot of black gangs in the area. So there's a lot of culture that spills over, and a lot of times that has to do with um, accents as well. But mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends that were, you know, Crips, A-Trade Crips especially, um, and spending a lot of time with them for a long time, I had that act. That's where the character from Replacement Killers, Loco. Really? That whole look came from one of my homeboys. Wait, so when you were growing up, were you... You knew the the, uh, the the you ran with the guys in the gangs. Runs a big big term, right? No, I, I didn't run, so to speak. We did hang out quite a bit. I mean, they're family. They still yeah. are today. I'm, I'm friends with them today. And, and, and so it, I'm always wondering because were you interested in, in in acting when you were growing up? I was. I was. Uh, did, they, did so? Did anybody try to like? Because I've heard tale, right, of guys who are good athletes that grow up in the hood, and even guys in the gang are like, stay away from us. Like, you need to go do what you're doing. Mm. Did anyone try to steer you away from that? Or was, did your family, did you have, a, were you well-grounded enough not to run to it anyways? The gangbanger friends I have today yeah. all did what you said. So if there was like some business business, yeah. I would be excluded from that. They would tell you go home? Not just go home. They'd be like, we got to go handle something. Yeah. Okay, cool. So they actively, that's very, so... Or if we all, get into fights together, yeah. and a lot of <laughs> I was like the, they had me benching like 300, I was like 22. And wait, wait, how tall are you? I'm like 5'9". You can't be more than 165 pounds, right? I can't do it now. <laughs> <laughs> so I could do it back then, but we go to How big were you? How big were you? Um, I was pretty big. It's when I did uh, Fortress. Oh, um, yeah, you were bigger. I was young, I was 21. Yeah, I was putting up 300. That's three ma- wheels. That's a lot for something in my frame. Yeah, just yeah, no, no drugs at all. And these were all like you know ex convicts and stuff. So they you know our our nutrition was just food. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And now burger yeah. right after yeah. we work out for four hours. Yeah. you know. So um, so you so we, get... we get into fights. Yeah. Right? and usually it would be me having an issue with some disrespect, <laughs> not not instigating because that wasn't my nature and right. never has been, but um. You know, I I never liked disrespect from anybody, especially out when you're crewed up and stuff. Yeah. And we had friends that were cops, too, that were hung on amongst us as well. So it's like people think that cops and gangsters don't hang out. It's all friends and family. I mean, you know what I mean? So yeah. we'd be there, and I'd get, and I'd, suddenly I'd feel somebody grabbing the back of my neck. It'd be my homeboy, E-Mac, just, you step aside, youngster. I'm like, oh, man, like, fuck, I get, <laughs> I get shoveled to the back. I'm like, damn, I can't even see nothing. You're all taller and bigger than me. Fuck. So they, they looked out for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And why do you think they looked out for you? Uh, they they were once they they weren't. Mm, that's a good question. I think they just thought I always had bigger dreams and aspirations and things like that, and they wanted to make sure that I saw those because a lot of them wouldn't see anything like that. That's interesting. How uh, because you got to be pretty introspective to understand that about yourself, mm-hmm. right? To know I'm stuck. You don't have to be mm-hmm. right because is that's a that's an amazing especially because they're young kids, right? At well, the time, right? They were older than me. But still, that's a, that's a pretty. Um, I was the youngster. You were the youngster. I was always. The how did you How did you hook up with the older guys? Uh, what was it like? Neighborhood, um, through the neighborhoods, the gym, and um, through certain uh, outreach programs. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I learned. Uh, you know, they've got so little. Like when you go to the projects and stuff, that you make the most of what you got. Yeah. And as a result, a lot of those people and kids there, especially the kids, I noticed are are a lot happier than middle class and upper class. That, you know, Why they do you think that? Didn't get that PlayStation 4. They, they're just grateful for so much. They're a hell of a lot more grateful for very less. I will tell you something, and here's why I think that to be true also. Look, you know, I raised three kids in one bedroom off of $1,100 a month, right? Good okay. Man. But they were never happier than they were in that room 
because we had fun. We had fun together. And when we did go to McDonald's, it was the best fucking thing that's ever. Once a month, we went out to eat. And it was not like we weren't dining with fucking napkins in our shirts. I, McDonald's, still, don't, I still don't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we would go out or and and when we did spend money, they were so grateful for whatever they got. Yeah. It was an it's an amazing thing for you to, to to pick that out because I truly believe that as they got older and we I, I got more successful, they also weren't as appreciative of shit that they got. Yeah. They were like, oh, you know. There were things that there were piled in my son's closet yeah. that he had gotten for gifts and just never really looked at. And I was like, fuck this. So I cleared out his room one day. He's like, where'd that shit go? I go, you don't care where that shit went. It doesn't <laughs> matter to me. But it's interesting. That That is why. And so do you think part of that, uh, they had an understanding, like, we also want you to be able to do things that we were never allowed to do? And why do you think you they thought you would have the opportunity and not somebody else? Um, It's just the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the moment. I mean, the hood's the hood, you know yeah. what I mean? Whether you're in Watts or South Central or East Los or. And you you mentioned your grandfather. Yes, sir. Tell me something about your grandfather, because my wife said, don't look it up on the Internet. <laughs> Ask him about his grandfather. Uh, she said that. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, Pedro Gonzalez Gonzalez. You want to have a good laugh? I mean, you're a comedian. Yeah. Uh, he's the only guy in known history to one-up Groucho Marx on his own show. Is that right? Adam Durich from the Counting Crows calls it the greatest hijacking of somebody's show on television ever. Tell me, what was your grandfather like? What was it, what did he do? What was his... I mean, he started entertaining from the age of seven. He came from uh, nine brothers and sisters, and they were all part of this thing called La Carpa, which is Spanish for tent. Uh-huh. And it was a small tent that you could uh, the family could put up and put down, and you would literally... You know, you go to the next town, you put up flyers. There was a giant speaker they'd put on the car. My grandpa rigged a record player with this tube amp where he could make announcements. You know, the Gonzalez family yeah. performing tonight. Blah, blah, blah. So he did that from a young age, which is why also he couldn't read. So at 27, in 1953, he had a chance to uh, be on the Groucho Marx show after doing a telethon. And there were some producers there that saw how funny he was. Actually, it was a telethon. Let me back up a little. It was a telethon um, for cerebral palsy and the kids. My grandpa was always doing anything he could for children. Yeah. And um, he was running cables. He was a crew guy, and they were running out of acts, the celebrities and everybody. So, you know, my grandpa saw all the kids. He's like, he's always he always carried his his act, where it was like costumes, clothing, his musical frying pans, all kinds of routines. So he tells them, he goes, "Hey, I, I got an act. Let me just do my act." I should send you some eight by tens. I would, yeah, I would so like they, to, yeah. So they asked him to do the thing, and the producers laughed so much. They called the producers of the Groucho Marx, and he said, "You got to have this little Mexican on the show." So he borrows his. By uncle. the way, at the time, mm-hmm. how many Latinos on TV? I mean, Desi Arnaz. Um, not many. Like at the time, <laughs> not represented basically yeah. at all, right? Ricardo Montalban, yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he borrows a, a suit from his his cousin. So when you see when you see the show, you'll see the suits a little big on him. Yeah. And um, he didn't win the show. He, they, they sent him a plane ticket. He cashes in the plane ticket, um, gives the difference to my grandma, buys a bus ticket, takes the bus out so he can feed uh, my mom and my aunt and my uncle. Mm-hmm. Goes, to, uh, goes to the studio, runs into um, the girl who played Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. Uh, Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Runs right into Judy Garland, who's doing some dance choreography and got mm-hmm. yelled at. It's like, it's over there. Down the I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> Um, so he goes down, he meets the producers, and um, he does the show, and uh, that was it, man. He, he went home after that. He had no idea of the impact. I've got the radio version, and which is the live version, yeah. where he sings a whole song. And then on the TV version, which you'll see on YouTube, it, it's kind of sk- touches on the song, but yeah. he skips it. 
And so what did that do? Did that do what did that do for him or his career? Oh my god, it, it changed everything. I mean it, it literally he did uh, the first three D Western called Wings of the Hawk with Van Heflin and then he um and then Duke called William Morris because William Morris uh, signed him over telegram. Yeah. They, That's they, crazy. They were like a whole manhunt from. I got it framed on my wall. The telegram. The telegram, because when I signed with William Morris, they went out of their way to send me a telegram saying, "Looking forward to working with the next generation." Uh, that's pretty fucking cool. Oh, dude, I thought I had another stalker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was like, I, I was like, oh shit, an envelope with my name on it, no address. <laughs> Fuck, another bitch. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> And I opened it up, and it was from the William Morris. I was like, wow, they actually got a courier. Real I was going to say, you, you, that would have been hard to find one of those. Well, they did it, and I, I still i am very grateful for it, even though the William Morris agency doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, not really. But um, but so your your dad sounded like he was a little bit of grandpa. a jack. Your grandpa, I mean, yeah, yeah. sounded like he was a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades. Yeah, right? more of a renaissance man. Well, but for you, mm-hmm. you, when you go on screen, mm-hmm. like... I never know who you're gonna be. I know. Me too. Till I figure it out. Yeah. Nah. How do you do that, man? Because listen, <laughs> I there guys like you, and I would throw like, and I know this is gonna sound like crazy, but guys like you and Gary Oldman who who disappear. I love Gary. Right. Yeah. But you guys disappear. Yeah. Like who you were in Traffic, mm. and who you were in Tigerland mm-hmm. are like they couldn't be any more different. So yeah. how do you disappear like that? What what's your first step as far as changing who you are and how much of you do you keep in your characters? It really depends. Um there isn't a first thing that you do for you to to learn about your character? Yeah, you know what? I I think well it depends. If it depends how much I read of whatever I'm told by an agent or manager, yep. that's one. But two, in just in reading the script and just the vibe and the feel, whatever hits me the hardest first. Uh, that's a big seed. It could be externally preparing or internally, mm-hmm. like meaning uh, my environment or his race or who the hell knows. Or maybe internally he's got some real deep issues that I know up front. So depending on which way we're working from. So I'm pretty loose in my preparation in the beginnings because at some point I'm going to have to cover all of it. And then I got to add my details. Like um, Triple Nine's a, a very much a, a, a different character. Tell people Triple Nine's coming out. It's coming out uh, the 26th. Yep. We have a premiere tomorrow. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. I play Detective Franco. I work in the high crimes division. And tell everybody about the movie, who else is in it, and then you can... Uh, triple Nine. Triple Nine is, uh, it's the code. It's basically 911 for police officers. Right. So if you got an issue, you think you're not going to make out of, make it out alive, you're going to call in a 999. And uh, some of my friends that have experienced a 999 said it's the, the cre- creepiest, strangest, most magical thing ever. Really? Why? It's just like uh, this buddy of mine's a cop in San Bernardino, and he was telling me that uh, he experienced a 999 with a, a friend of his. And he said within like, you know, five five minutes, there was just like I, just hundreds of cops. He was just, it was just ridiculous. Oh, just the cavalry, the feeling, yeah, that, the awesome. feeling that somebody awesome. always has your back. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's probably time. pretty cool. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so you get, t- let's take a guy that you, that you were in traffic. Mm hmm. Okay. So how much of that is written and how much of that is you? Do you know what I mean? How much are you bringing? And, mm-hmm. and when you bring something, do you have to run it by anybody? Well, that was Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. He's a fantastic collaborator. Um, he's a great visionary. And uh, it, that said, I can sit down and say, hey, I was coming. You know, get really, when we had stuff to shoot, if I didn't have any big issues, mm-hmm. which I would address way early, um, what do you mean, like a big issue? Like, like a, it's an issue between you and the director when you like, say big like, issue? Like, like, like maybe it's a wardrobe thing, or maybe it's a dialogue thing, or like I think we're giving away too much here. Maybe uh-huh. we should hide more. Maybe uh, I could tip something off, or 
you know, things like that, or maybe it's a nuance that might cut some dialogue all together and might, might, might replace it with an action that says a hell of a lot more. Really? Well, I think when you engage the eyes and the ear separately and not simultaneously, you get more invested. Cause, Explain that for me real quick. Like if I were to see, for instance, um, uh, you, don't, you don't smoke cigarettes, but if you did smoke cigarettes yep. and you put that pack down, but that pack, you know, instead of you saying, hey, Cliff, uh, I didn't tell you this, but I'm gay. I'm like, yeah. oh, cool, whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat. But then if you put a pack of cigarettes down and then it's got a condom in there and you put it next to me, I'm like, well, that's kind of weird, Josh. Yeah. You just put a pack of cigarettes with a condom in it next to me, and I'm not even gay. Yeah, right, right. So that would be so, my. So that's that's without saying? me saying anything. Exactly. It adds. A, it, so I'll see the cigarette packet. You ain't said nothing. Right. I'm going. Whoa, my my brain's thinking. You know, movies. You're always trying to figure shit out. Right. Like, oh, what's gonna happen? I think this is gonna. Like, oh, that's the. Oh my god. And and I think the, the when you really pull off a movie. You can't put it together, and you're just being dragged so fast that you're picking up details too late. Yeah. And it's awesome. That's the part of the ride. You yes. don't know when the loop's going to end. You know when you go for the loop, go for the loop, woo! You know what I mean? You don't know. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what you want. You want to yeah. be taken the fuck away. That's and beautiful. And I think when you ever use, like, country music videos, they have a habit of telling you and showing you exactly what the fuck they're singing about. And it, like, you don't have to think. You don't have to... You can keep your eyes closed or you yeah. can plug your ears. You're going to know exactly what the fuck's going on. I think that I love filmmaking that, that just touches on all the sense of sound design. Oh, man, I love that shit. So when you, uh, when you, when you say, I work on you know details, those yeah. are the little details you're talking about. What's in his pocket? Well, Benicio came up with that one. What do you mean? Benicio Del Toro in the scene when he picks up Frankie Flowers in traffic in the bar with Jacob Vargas. Yeah. Um, he sits up next to me. And uh, this is really great, just, just to add to your story. He, put, he, he came up with this idea to put that packet in there. Mm -hmm. So also that scene was supposed to be MOS, meaning there's no, there's no dialogue. It's usually just a little montage with yeah. a little music, and you kind of put it together. Um, so I'm like, but I know how Steven's been working, Soderbergh. And I'm like, I know these guys are just going to fucking do something. I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't trust this. I was like, yo, uh, you guys want to mic me? And they're like, no, no, it's MOS. I'm like, you sure? You sure? Because so in my mind, I'm like, I'm thinking about, like, what would I do? What's just happening as Frankie Flowers? I got option A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just trying to think. You're just trying to chess play it. You know what I mean? And, and you're just guessing because you don't know what the hell's going to happen. Right. And then, Wait. Th it, so they're not improving, but they've planned something without telling mm, you? Let's just say they're improving. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there was a, a boom guy. So the boom's there. I'm like, okay. So obviously you're covering your ass right right <laughs> now you always got to cover you can't show up to set and be like damn i should have thought of 15 different ways to do this in case they talk right in any case um benicio goes so do you like seafood and like i had a nanosecond fuck he's talking god damn it. i knew he was gonna do this shit. god damn it i would have thought of something good and i just like Mind you, all of that happened in the in the like a split nanosecond. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was like hyper fast <laughs> lightning strikes of thought. And then I go, Jess, I love shrimp cocktail. <laughs> that so that was improv. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how much do you get to that's that's how much do you get to improv usually on films? Does it depend on the director? It depends on the director, it depends on the cast. You gotta know who you're working with. You like you, you know, you don't you know, you don't race a Ferrari if you're driving the, you know, the Prius. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you yeah. just don't do it. So you just got to know who you're working with, man. And I've been very blessed and privileged to work with, honestly, some of the best that Hollywood has to offer. Now, okay. So that's crazy because I think that I would, I, my instinct 
right? When someone's improving, mm -hmm. is I I always would I fall my fallback is funny, right? Mm -hmm. So you, I have that too. Yes, I know you do. But so you're but you have to stay in your who am I? Mm -hmm. That's a crazy thing mm -hmm. to have to do. Yeah, I mean, I'm 25 years deep now, so. Um, Are you really okay? Yeah. Okay, so let's. And I have a lot of uh, questions, personal questions, I want to ask you. But let's go to that 25 years. Mm -hmm. Was there a part? Because I can think of me for my stand-up where I go, it kind of kicked in right there. Mm. Can you think of a time where you're acting where you're like, I kind of started to get it right about here oh i see yeah you know there's different stages of getting it i think you would agree with me in that one yes yeah um but do you but here's the, the thing. one the one that i always my my go-to yeah is sam jackson 187 yeah. yeah and you kind of felt like oh i'm i'm in it and i kind well, of get it now before i actually got that job I, i'd say a probably a year and a half two years earlier i was getting all these callbacks for pilots and like fuck man I, I keep i keep hitting the dartboard like i'm there yeah I'm like they're in the zone but I'm not, I'm not getting the job. Like, what's gonna make the difference? And again, you got to gauge too, because if it's television, I can't bring the performance to a television show that I would bring to a, a one eight seven or a triple nine. Why not? Why not? Uh, it scares the it scares the people. Is that true? <laughs> it scares the reviewers. You can't be too raw, too gritty. It doesn't matter if you're cursing or anything. You have to rein it in a you little. Totally, you got to dial in a TV performance. It's TV friendly. You don't want to scare Middle America. You know how look how scared they got at Beyonce. <laughs> They're running for the hills. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do the Black Panther that dance. Mexican fellas really real. <laughs> I know TV. the Black Panther party didn't go around lynching thousands of people, but uh, they're still afraid. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you, you. Yeah. Interesting. We'll get back to your acting in a second. You'll uh, find that I kind of go on tangents. I love it. But, I love tangents. But you, um. <laughs> You're one of the few actors that I know that is not scared to voice their opinion. Where do you think, because a lot of, I, I've said before, comics, we make our living voicing our opinion. People want to hear it from mm -hmm. us. And I find that actors are a little more nervous. Why do you think that is, and why are you not nervous? Um, which I don't think so much is about being nervous. I, I just got to call it like I see it, man. I, you but know. why? Where does that come from? Always? Forever you've done that? Um... Because you're the stuff you the put one, out on Twitter is is very, it's socially you're, you're riling some people up. Yeah, and I'm also bringing a lot of um, awareness. Yes. Um, uh, hopefully, a lot of healing, because it's not so much about uh, riling people up so much as it, it's getting them to uh, to wake up to a couple of things. Like what? Just like things aren't what you think they are. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we always hear these. Uh, Why do you think people got so mad about the uh, the Beyonce and Black Panther thing? Uh, they're just scared and ignorant. What do you think they're see for me? I, and I and I told you this. I, as an artist, was happy to actually see her go out on a limb a little bit. Like mm -hmm. I think when people are that high profile, mm -hmm. I think it's important for them to start to s express and stand up for what they believe in because they're going to have an effect on the people who are following them, right? And for some sure. and sometimes you can lead them to good. My problem, and I told you, is I just think her music's garbage. So that, <laughs> I had no problem, but I was happy to see her because to me it was the first time where I was like, oh, good for her. She's taking a stand on something that she she had to know she was going to catch a ton of shit for. Well, she's always taking a stand. I mean, if, you know. Not if, on if, this if, big of a stage. Sure. Right. But, uh, you know, the Black Panther thing isn't isn't something new. Like, some people are like, I can't believe it. Who greenlit it? Who said, who said this was okay? It's like, she's always been a part of this. Yeah. You'd pay attention to do the homework. You'd know what the hell was going on. But what's the big deal? It's like the Black Panther Party didn't go around lynching people. That's not something they did. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a slight difference between the KKK and the Black Panther Party. The Black Panther 
the party helped a lot of people that were poor. You weren't just didn't have to be just black. Mm-hmm. It was more for the the poorer people, and it was a big difference. They had outreach programs, they had food programs, clothing programs, education programs. KKK didn't do any of that stuff. No, no, like, they're just like the same. Like, well, yeah, if, <laughs> if you want to erase the fact that over three thousand people were lynched, and who knows, probably more. I'm sure. Ah, uh, definitely more. But it's also like, look, the same people who are upset about Beyonce's Black Panther probably didn't say anything about Kid Rock's Confederate flag that he has on stage, by the way, which I'm also okay with. It's, he's an art. I'm okay. If you're an artist, you that's your stage, if man. If you're not pushing hate, no. and I understand that the history and the roots of the, yes. of the symbol, there's uh, more than hate. There's, there's, there's you know, loss of life. A hundred percent. But for me, again, I may not agree with it. Uh-huh. As If you're an artist, I may mm-hmm. not agree with what you're saying. Sure. I respect your right. Mm-hmm. To do whatever you want for with sure. your I mean, show. Hey, look at DW, do you know what I mean? Look at D.W. Griffith. Yeah. You know, when he did uh, um, Birth of a Nation. You know, that was that film was directly responsible for increasing, uh, you know, members in the KKK, you know, tenfold, if not more. In fact, it, it, it did such a, it benefited the KKK so much, and D.W., um, I'm sure he learned a lot from the point of the beginning <laughs> of the film to what happened, that he, he tried to reverse that by doing another film, and it just bombed miserably um you know there was no black people in birth of a nation all white people in blackface mm-hmm. you know and so yeah he, he look i mean that, that that's a that's a case of something doing something really bad yeah um but he did voice his opinion and that's a movie again I'm, <laughs> I, that my thing is that like i think it's important i think it's so important that even when opinions you don't agree with they have to be voiced sure they it's ha- art it's art and and not just art like in public it's important that you hear all voices so you go, well, I don't fucking like that one. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. I've never heard that one before. I don't mind that one. For sure. Do you know what I mean? I so- do. I just don't understand the, the negative uh, connotations that, that, that were taken by some in regards to the music video. I agree. Like this video, uh, and, and, and I don't get the anti-police thing either. Like It's not anti-police. It's anti Abuse of authority. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very different than anti-police. I mean, I don't. I, I would not want to see. I've got a lot of great Leo friends. Um, whether I did or didn't, I wouldn't want to see a, a, a country with no kind of policing. No, like, I mean, like who thinks that? Yeah. <laughs> How can you be so stupid? They're all anti-police. Like, really? You know what's? Oh, you know what's interesting? <laughs> but, but wait, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. But about uh, stop shooting us. That's anti-police. That's as much as anti-police is. Keep shooting us as pro-police. Yeah. <laughs> Stop well, shooting. Sorry. A wife saying, stop hitting me to her husband. Yeah. Oh, you're anti-husband. Smack, smack. I never thought that. Stop choking me. But here's the thing. You know, I think when, pe- when, when you say, the and also the big thing, because we're in such a reactive and reactionary society, when you say you're pro something, people assume that means you're anti. So, you know what I mean? Like, but, I can be, but that's not the case. Like, you can be, I can be pro- Let's say, I, I know a lot of uh, uh, fe- uh, women friends of mine who are feminists. They're pro-woman. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're anti-male. You are can- you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally get I'm kidding. Do you know what I, I mean? I'm just plain ignorant I for know. a second. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's the thing. Like, But that's the thing. <laughs> the same thing with uh, you, when you're talking, when, when we're all talking about we need to stop you know, police shootings, that doesn't mean we're anti-police. <laughs> I'm I'm completely supportive. I can't help but laugh. I mean, the, right? the fact that we have to talk about this makes me laugh. But dude, it's one of. Can you imagine what's a harder job than being a policeman? It's a tough one. A fucking really. But you know tough what's one. tougher is having to clean up the tracks for f- 
corrupt douchebags that have no yeah. accountability. They talk about we want to be transparent. Oh, but we got to wait a year for this body cam to come out. No, you don't want to be transparent. Now we got to deal with your lies. Did you did did you catch a lot of that? And it did a lot of the what you feel about that system. Uh, was it? Because of where you grew up and how you grew up, I, I look. I'm a one percenter. Yeah, <laughs> and I grew up uh, middle class, mm -hmm. very comfortable. Um, I did not live in the projects, so I, I learned it by going there. But also, my grandfather came from very, very humble beginnings. They, they, there were days. I mean, the, the picture I have of him, the only picture I have of him in school, he's not even wearing shoes. You know, and that was the second grade. So he was always, uh, you know, hey, Mijo, you know, we we feed your friends every time they come over because. You know what this racket's like. He goes, you don't know when they're going to eat next. So we like cooking for your friends, and we know they love the food. Of course they do. It's grandparents' food. Yeah, Grandpa, yeah, yeah. Everybody wants your grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, Cliff, what are you doing? Like, I'm out of here, man. I was going to come by and say what's up. Like, I'm going to go to my grandparents. Great, I'll meet you over there. <laughs> no, okay, I'll meet you at grandpa's. That <laughs> happened a lot. <laughs> what was the best food? What was the uh, – you name Can it. you cook like your grandfather at all? No, I couldn't. No, and my grandma. My grandma still cooks um, some badass stuff. Do you really still good. live in Culver City? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, my grandma made, um, what was it? She made these huevos rancheros with uh, homemade flour tortillas one, yeah. um, what was it? A Fourth of July weekend. And we couldn't stay in each. We just went there. She goes, don't worry, I'll just make burritos and give them to you. And she wrapped them all up. It was like, it's me, Mike Judge, Jacob Vargas, it was Jason Statham. Yeah, and we went to a beach party. And we ate them all. And then Mike just like, holy shit, these goddamn burritos? Man, your grandma's burritos are fucking amazing. Jesus Christ. Wait a second. Mm. That What beach party has you for? rolling in that's a that's an interesting foursome by the way it, uh that's because if i was gonna pick like who you're running with i don't know that i would throw mike judge in there that day it was statham mike judge myself i want to say jacob vargas and sam macaroni yeah and you guys swung by grandma's house to get some food just to pick him up real quick <laughs> and then we grabbed him and we headed to malibu like to the party so at 25 years in man uh -huh. at 25 years in at what point did you stop going oh that's fucking samuel jackson do you know what I mean? Uh, I, that doesn't stop. That doesn't stop. I love what I do, and I, I was born into it. I'm a fourth-generation entertainer. I mean, my great-grandmother danced for Ponce Villa. Is that right? Yeah. She, I, got, I got pictures I'll show you. In so your mom and dad? No, my, um, my mom did a couple things. My, my uncle did a few John Wayne movies. You know, a few John Wayne movies. Yeah, it's <laughs> My grandma said it to me the other day, and I started laughing, too. I was like, wow, you just said uncle did a few John Wayne movies. That's nothing. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> But that was, he could have stayed into it, but uh, he didn't. And my aunt, my aunt did like, you know, Mod Squad and SWAT. Remember SWAT? Yeah. SWAT, um, the Monkees. She did a bunch of stuff, but That's she didn't a want to. So, and you had skipped your folks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you have brothers and sisters? Uh, my sister's a casting director. She did, uh, she oh, did like Alias. and Lost. And Lost. Yeah. I've... Um, that's why I met J.J. Abrams through my sister. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've, well, we can't talk about that on air, but we'll talk afterwards. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I, I knew a couple people on Lost too. I, there's some interesting stories For that came, sure. came off that oh, island. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in that 25 years, that spot with Samuel Jackson. Mm -hmm. Let's get back to that because okay. I want to know what is it that kicks in for you? Because you said there's things you could do on TV and not in the movie. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that what is it that kicks in for you? What were you doing before that you when you hit that movie you were like, oh fuck, I should uh, be doing this. Yeah, you know, again, it's it's. Uh... You know, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you got to know where you're playing and what you're playing and, and for who you're playing. Yeah. Um, and it, with Samuel and Kevin Reynolds, it was Icon Pictures producing. It was, uh, 
I had this moment on my fifth day of rehearsal. We shot the movie in sequence, which means like you shoot it kind of from page one to page 120. Like a in, play. In order. Like a play. Do you prefer that? It's kind of magical like a play. Yeah. It's is like, it better? Uh, is it better as an actor to shoot in oh, sequence? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Because you grow, you grow as actors, you grow as friends, you grow as the characters in the piece. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's really a... It's almost like you're living a double life at slow motion, <laughs> and you, you you relive those moments like you know you you take twenty yeah you know so we're redoing this whole podcast over from the beginning twenty times it'll be burned into your skull. How many movies percentage wise get to do that? Uh, two in my career. Really? In my career is that just a money thing? I, I don't know. And it's also the director too. Like you know, uh, there's a lot of directors that are just you know puppets. You know, for the yeah. studio. You know, the studio, like, we just need a name to direct, and that's that. So, you know, but with, with Sam Jackson on my fifth day of rehearsals, we had the big, giant finale scene, and he had epic monologues, monologues that were bigger than what ended up being in the movie. So, uh, Samuel's so holding his papers there, his little mini size. He basically print up these scripts and make them micro so you can carry them around easily. And I've got my 357 Magnum. And originally, the scene took place in his classroom, and it ultimately took place in his home. So I'm sitting there, and I got my 357, I got my size, and I want to let him know that the chamber's clear. You know, I don't want him to be worried or anything. And, yeah. You know, so I open it up. I says, yo, I says, Sam. And he's just looking down at his sides. He's just like this. I can't see his eyes. I'm like, oh, I guess he's studying. I mean, it's Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. He does fucking wants, as far as I'm concerned. And I will <laughs> right. honor it. I'm just, I'm just watching and taking notes, yeah. man. This yeah. is the master. So, um, so then I'm like, hey, Sam, it's open. And he still doesn't look at me. I'm like, okay, fuck it. I go, clack, clack. All right, it's clean. And then Kevin Rowan goes, so you guys ready to do this? And Sam just looks up. Yeah, man. And he grabs his sides and throws them on the floor. And I was like, holy shit. He just <laughs> threw those giant speeches on the floor. Like, I hope he can get through this okay. All right, all right, Mr. G. Da, da, da. And he just looks up to me with like tears in his eyes. He can make this eye cry and this eye cry left and right whenever he wants to. He can hold the tears, he can drop one, two, he, three. He can do one from the right or he's, one from the left, either one? He's truly a bad motherfucker. He knows everything that everybody's doing in the room at all times. He's truly a, 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 just a different kind of artist. Wait, explain that. Like uh, John Barrymore could do that too. Explain explain what you mean there. Like he knows what everyone's doing in the room. Like he he knows all of your lines. He knows where you walked. He knows he knows that I picked this up before I said something and took a sip. He knows exactly what word. You know he knows really? when the camera moved. Yeah, because I got in trouble at the end. Um, well, the op the operator, not Erickson Core, who's a badass DP, but the operator um, <clears throat> was on a dolly shot, and we were doing the heavy scene at the end and. We were trying to get it, and there's a lot of emotions, as you can imagine, running. Um, and I just lost my dad like three days earlier to a suicide in real life. So to be in that kind of a scene with a gun in my head was uh, some fucked up shit goes through your mind, like for days on end. So, uh, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm doing that scene. This guy was like, "Oh, Clifton, you, 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 Jesus Christ, you got the thing." And I'm like, "No, I didn't." I was dead. Like, no, no, you're right there. You were right there. And then Sam goes, "No, nah, man, he didn't do that." I said, blah, 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 blah. He said, da, 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 you dollied over here. I said, da, 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 da. I took a sip of my coffee, da, 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 you crossed. Everybody's like, okay, back to work. <laughs> <laughs> like literally beat by beat, like everything. It was like, you didn't need a video playback. You got a Samuel playback. <laughs> Wait, that's amazing. So, so he, uh, okay. You learned a, a level of professionalism from him. Well, I did, but so getting back to the monologue thing yeah. is—is he? Yeah, he was holding the tears. But the the point of the story was that he knew all. He knew the the whole scene. He was ready. Just that could that could have been one take for him, and it yeah. would have been a wrap. 
I was like, I'm like just trying to, I was mesmerized by what he was doing. Like the, what he was throwing me with his eyes and his soul. Like I, he just wanted to see, I think, what I had. And I wasn't quite, you know, you do four, you do four days of just like methodical, like, oh, doing the scene. Yeah. Pretty much on day five, you just step on the gas. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, this motherfucker gave me a big <laughs> I was like, yeah, I like to keep it a little spontaneity. I like a little spontaneity. I said, I like the little room for improvement. It was a rehearsal. You're like yeah. working it out. You know, he's like, oh, spontaneity, huh? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, you don't, you don't, you don't do that. He's like, nah, man. That's just so, uh, so what you like? What thought of like, like the hundred, two hundred, three hundred different ways of like doing this? He was like, uh huh. Oh, so he's not saying he does the same thing every time. He's just saying he's thought of every possibility. Exactly. So it's not <laughs> technically spontaneous because it's gone through his head already. Well, that's why he's saying it's not spontaneous for him. But a lot of actors, uh, you know, you learn as much. You might get pretty close to being off book. And yeah. just right before you put the nail in the coffin, you want to keep it kind of loose and, you know, kind of play around. Maybe some new dialogue will come that's within the voice of that character yeah. and his, his verbiage, his vernacular. Um, How so, important is it to keep the other actor on his toes a little bit? I, you shouldn't really honestly never have to do that. You should just be able to take care of yourself. Look, just as... Explain that. What do you mean? Because he sounded like he was keeping you on your toes a little. I, he but, was just wanting to show me what time it was. Is he, <laughs> I got two clocks on that one. <laughs> so, but is he assuming, well, he's done his homework, so I should be able to go over here a little bit and he should be able to follow? Does that make... No, it's kind of like, you kind of just be, have to be responsible for yourself, but I think there's a there's a, a camaraderie and a brotherhood amongst actors. Yeah. The ones that are at least secure with themselves. You know, just like the Blue Line would have a brotherhood. So, um, you know, I think he just wanted to show me what what, what he's bringing, you know? And, and it also is a huge fucking scene. It's the climax of the movie. If I was starring in a movie after Pulp Fiction, I'd want to make sure that they picked a worthy guy to go toe-to-toe with me if that's yeah. kind of film. And that's... I had to go back a bunch of times for that one. And so what did you feel like you learned from that? I went home that day. I was like, because after he said, I said, so you basically go through every different way to do all like 500 ways of doing that. And he was like, no, after, after he says, yeah, man. And then I go, that's a lot of work. And he's like, uh-huh. But that's why so he's so good. He, he, like he says, to, this is his own words, I, I like to. I like to direct indirectly, <laughs> which is true. And look, I'm a motherfucker that loves to like follow the badasses. Yeah. I, I mean, even when I was in having to martial arts, me and my cousin, we, we always like to fight the black belts because we knew fighting the black belts we get better. Yeah. So if you want to act, you want to be a badass, you got to act with the best. So do you feel like do do you feel like um, in acting, there's always something to learn? Yes. 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 And do you not only learn all on set, do you ever learn while you're watching another movie or watching oh a God. TV show? Oh, yes? I mean, yeah, we, yeah, all the time. I, I learn just as much from good movies as I do from bad movies. I learn more from bad movies. Well, like what kind of stuff? Like what not to do, basically? <sighs> well, I'm directing a lot more now. I'm getting ready to do a... a How do you like that? I love it. I love it. I mean, you know, Kevin Reynolds asked me when I was doing 187, because we have funny moments. As right. dark as that film is, we laughed a lot. <laughs> yeah. And there's some dark comedic moments that were all ad-libs. Really? Like like when um oh uh oh you know hey Paco is that you? Where I'm like smoking that joint down the ravine, I'm tagging up on the wall, and then um I'm like stupid gato, you're ho ho I go stupid gato, which is a wolf and gato's yeah, cat. So um and then I get hit by this arrow come out of left field, <laughs> and then I pull it out and I'm like stupid Indians. <laughs> 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 and that was an ad lib, but I went to, that was a giant crane shot, and I ran to Kevin Brown. I was like, dude, let me do one more, man. 
I says, I says, you want to do something else? I said, yeah, I got, got something. And I played it serious. It's yeah. a funny moment. I played it serious. But that's what makes it funny. Exactly. That's what makes it funny. Yeah. Did your, and if you don't want to talk about this, we don't have to. Mm-hmm. Did losing your dad change how you acted? Did it change your art? Did it change? Well, it, 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 it did. It, it, what, it makes you grow. You know, I, I, think, I think the core of any half-decent actor is great empathy and compassion. And certainly empathy, because you've got to know what it's like to go through certain situations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's humbling. You know, my dad left when I was four. Um, he was an alcoholic, genius IQ. Um, it's interesting, man, because... Did was, you have a relationship with him as you got older? I had more of a, a friendship, not really a father-son relationship, mm-hmm. more of a friendship, kind of a flaky friendship. Yeah. <laughs> so he'd show up every now and then to, to pick us up, me and my little sister, and somebody wouldn't show up at all. You know, I'd just sit there and wait for him and still believe in he would show up. Um, but, you know, it's like we had that scene in the morgue with Sam and I, which is funny. Like, how many high school movies have a, a morgue scene? Yeah. <laughs> you know, High School the Musical doesn't have a morgue scene. <laughs> but I heard Fast part time, two might. Fast Times didn't. Fast Times no, definitely right? didn't. <laughs> um, so um, I was sitting there, and my sister calls, and she's like, hey, do you want to – I'm over here at the morgue. Do you want any of dad stuff? And I was like, mm, you know, whatever you think I would want, sis. You know, I said, you're cool? She says, yeah, I'm cool. I'm sorry. I love you, sis. I love you, too. And she she takes off. So it brings you closer, brings your family closer for sure. And then um, I was sitting with Sam, and I was like, damn, Sam. I said, fuck, like how many movies have morgue scenes? You know, high school movies. And like my sister's just at the morgue getting my dad's stuff. And I'm like, here I am. Look, I'm doing a big Hollywood movie with you and Mel Gibson producing. And I'm I'm going by the name Clifton Gonzalez Gonzalez. But that's not even my real name. My real name's Clifton Craig Collins Jr. And Clifton Collins Sr., really is dead in a morgue right this very second mm-hmm. as Clifton Collins Jr. pretending to be dead in a morgue. What the fuck's that supposed to mean? And he just looked at me. He was like, How Damn. old were you when that happened? I'm 26. And I'd stopped speaking to my dad three months before I did the movie because uh, I worked so hard to get this film. I, I had like four or five callbacks. And then um, and I, I, I got really excited, so I called my dad just to get props from him. Yeah. Because you know, I worked real fucking hard to get this. Uh, and, and he just couldn't. He's like, oh, that's that's all right. It's not like you're doing a movie with Nick Nolte or it's not like da 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 That's nothing, son. I'm like, no, but it's, you know, he'd never seen Pulp Fiction. Yeah. He didn't know who Samuel was. Um, it's a trip, though, because, you know, I think the irony is that, you know, Sam would offer to pay for my father's funeral. What? Mm-hmm. He said, I'll make one call, Clifton. I'll take care of everything for you. What? Okay. And this is uh, I, this is the second time I've had this conversation in the last three days, and I'm dying to know your answer. Right? I didn't talk to you three days ago. No, not with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, does being mad at somebody when mm-hmm. they pass mm-hmm. does that change? I just spoke to somebody this weekend who was like, "I was f- mad at my friend. We weren't talking. She passed, and I still have not come to grips with hmm. that." Is that something that... that it's very common. It's a common trait, survivor's guilt. Uh, I could have made a difference. I could have done something. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, 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 it's not me. Not you. I'm, I'm very lucky that way. Uh, I got some moments like you can what if all my friends that have died. And, right. And drug overdoses, you know, um, drive-bys, all kinds of shit. You know, I was supposed to hang out with someone, so I was supposed to... You know what I mean? Right. You can't do that, though. And with Dad, uh, rest in peace... Um, I remember my sis calling like, oh, you know, dad sound kind of depressed. You might want to call him or something like, all right. You know, which always meant I'd call like in a day or two. You know what I mean? So I think I called like a week later, but it was too late. I was, yeah, it was too late. Was he in L.A.? Yeah. He lived in a trailer park. Buddy, that's, it's, it's such a amazing thing what the things that life piles onto us that <sighs> shape who we are. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. It's an amazing thing. So it, you, do you feel like uh, th- that changed you as your man moving forward? It, it did, and I, I didn't really know how. Um, I certainly have a, a, a great... A great amount of compassion and empathy for you know combat veterans um you know even leos leos when they retire they, they've got a very short lifespan you know uh suicide a yeah. lot you know, suicide's very high you know amongst law enforcement um combat veterans you know one in three combat veterans ends up being homeless here in america you know we'll you take know, care of you when you go but when you come back don't call us <laughs> you know my son did it nine months in afghanistan my oldest son what holy fuck it was the um, you know, the tra- it was always amazing to me the the military the training that they, that goes into getting you ready to go over. Yeah. But the lack of training to bring you back. Lack of training. How about zero training? Right. But that is such a it's so backwards because we want to. These are great men that are going over to fight for us and are like, you're, you're talking about people who are volunteering during wartime. Yeah. So there was a gen- not even reserves. No, in a, a generation of, of kids. Yeah. And I know we make fun of this generation. We're like the greatest generation, World War II. They 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 volunteered. Right. So did these kids. A, a generation of kids mm. volunteered to go to war, mm. and so it, it's like an atrocity to me that, the, that when they come back, we're not volunteering with the same no. gusto. Not at all. Zero. Not even close. There's no gusto at all. There's not even parades anymore. I know. You know, even a fucking parade. <laughs> anything was your dad a vet he was a vet all my my whole family served my grandpa served in korea i'm all the uncles and my dad served in vietnam is that right uh-huh. all of them did v- so v- my uncle my grandfather's son um became a, a medic for the corps really yeah it's interesting man that you have you have deep ties into uh, the military into law enforcement yes, sir. but you also this is what's amazing about you and what makes you a well-rounded dude, which is like, I also recognize that there's abuse in, in those areas. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, and that is not a secret. Right, so, yeah. but the, so it's what I love is you're a perfect example of being someone who is 100% in support of the people in uniform, but also acknowledging, hey, you know, some things need to be switched around a little bit. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with saying that, right? So mm. there's so many times it, we are. Asked, I mean, is there something wrong with me saying stop killing me? No. <laughs> don't, don't don't hit me. Yeah, don't, right. Don't, don't that, slap me. Don't uh, choke no. me. Don't punch me. Don't all tase that, me. All that, Dave, don't tase me, bro. Dude, I got tased. Have you been tased? I'd like to. Oh no, you don't. <laughs> all right, I got tased. Look, we did the jackass pilot in my backyard at my house. You did with Knoxville. Yeah, getting Wait, tased. Mace, you did spread. that pilot in your backyard? <laughs> we did. I got the original VCR tape that's unedited. Fuck and you! I should show it to you. Just one Wait, long ass. Give giant me a little. VHS. Give me a little. Well, give me uh, a little. PJ, how did Johnny, you end up? How did you end up with that in your backyard? How did that end up? Just friends of mine. That's when he was working for. That's when uh, Knoxville was doing the um, articles for the skateboard magazine. Yeah. and stuff like that. And that's when the the James Bond on Nintendo sixty four was really big. So we're playing a uh, James yeah, Bond. Aaron Lex- yeah, baby. <laughs> Odd job. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you odd job, you're an OG because yeah. you know that's 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 a loophole. Yeah, he was shorter than everybody. That's, yeah. that's right. You know, yeah. so you a G. You straight up a G. Uh, boy, right, so so, so in any go? case, um, uh, 
uh, he didn't know how to take the probes. Like this is all experimental. This is a long time. It was the beginning before Jackass was even. Yeah, but show. H- how does he decide? Let's film this because people will want to see me get. He did tased. a bunch of stuff before, like okay. from riding cattle to just some crazy ass yeah. shit. But uh, what was uh, funny? He's like, "All right, Cliff, Cliff, hey, come here." Of course, he goes to the Mexican guy to do the the gun trick, which they <laughs> cut out. But I'll show it to you because I have it on tape. Um, hey, Cliff, how about this? He goes, look, I got this bulletproof vest on and all these nudie mags. He goes, how about uh, you shoot me with this thirty-eight? Uh, um, I'll hear, and I was like, what? <laughs> Just shoot with this thirty-eight. Like, after he like, got tased and pepper sprayed and mazed, and he dumped like a gallon of milk into my pool because he was trying to get out of his eyes. Is he sober at this point in time? Yeah, no. Oh, at this time? No, when uh, you're getting shot, are you sober? I'm not getting shot. No, but when he's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Mexican. Nobody's shooting me. <laughs> when, he's, when he says shoot me, is he sober when he says that? Um, he was pretty sober. I mean, we were a lot younger then too. So yeah. I, I think the, the the biggest thing was probably a little grass or yeah. something, you know. Um, so he goes, uh, I want you to shoot me with this thirty eight. I'm like, this is like, I'm like on the sunset in Ogden. I had a really nice house back then. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm not gonna shoot you. Like little Madison was like seven years old. Like your daughter one will never forgive me. And two, you know, the headline for this thing here isn't like an acting, acting, an acting stunt gone awry. This no. is a Mexican killed a white guy in Hollywood. Yeah. And by the way, Frontline, They would have put page. your last name as Gonzalez Gonzalez. <laughs> yes, they would have. <laughs> it wouldn't have been Clifton Collins. It'd have been Clifton Gonzalez. They might have even added one more Gonzalez. Clifton Gonzalez Gonzalez Gonzalez. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. They would have drawn a mustache on you and shit. Sombrero. Would... <laughs> All right. So he lines up and you shoot him? No, I don't. I'm like, fuck that. So what happens is he ended up going to Griffith Park and shooting himself. So he, so he That ha- close range? He held it backwards and that first round didn't go off and he's he's laughing maniacally because he's so scared. He's like, oh, 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 God. click. He's like, oh, and he's just laughing. He's just petrified. And then finally the gun goes off and just goes boom. He goes flying off and then like, come on, let's get out of here. They grab the gun and they go, and he's fine. Wait, he was fine. He's totally fine. Uh, uh, you know the best thing to me about Knoxville? Huh. And then I want to get back to that pilot. Mm-hmm. Here's two best things. One, what makes Jackass the best to me is that they're all laughing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is that it, it, would, be, it would be like if they, none of them were laughing and they were like, uh, it would turn, change the tone of the whole movie. For sure. But it's you see as a guy. A good heart it, and good spirit. Yeah, and yeah. as a guy... You'd fuck with your friends. Mm-hmm. Period. You fuck oh, with your. Oh, they were going to come to the traffic premiere. No. Preston Lacey. Yeah. That they, wouldn't have been a good time for them. I told them. I like. <laughs> I, I went to the offices. The jackass. Yeah. I forget. I forget what the fuck we were doing. We're, I think we're talking about a new skit or something. Um, like, hey, you know, hey, the Mexicans got a jackass premiere. <laughs> Preston Lacey's this little Missouri accent. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was, some <laughs> thick ass country thing. <laughs> I haven't seen him for a while. His voice is usually right on spot point for me. But uh, you do voices pretty well. I did it since I was a kid, man. Really? Since I when I was tap dancing with my cousin. We had some dark times tap tap dancing. dancing. Yeah, I started hoofing when I was seven. My grandpa got me started. Really? Yes, do sir. you still tap dance? I sure do. How come you haven't done any of the, any of those movies? You know, um, Brian Taylor and Mark Neveldine for Crank Two. I was getting ready to shoot and direct the. Uh, I was getting ready to direct the Whatever It Is video for Zach Brown Band. And um, they were like, I said, hey, you know any good DPs? He's like, yeah, Jason Trellis is shooting Crank too. I said, oh, you think Jason would do this? I said, yeah. He goes, you can do a music video? I'm like, yeah. He goes, wow, you're musically inclined? I said, you dance? I said, yeah, I tap dance. They're like, you should tap dance in this scene. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm playing a fucking drug lord from like old Mexico. <laughs> Like, what do you mean tap dance? <laughs> like, you should tap dance. I'm like, no, no. Like, to me, tap is like the Nicholas Brothers. It's Fred Astaire. Yeah. It's, 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 
you know, Bojangles. It's, it's, but it's, it's something Sammy this Davis. character would never do, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's tradition. It's, it's from the 30s. And, you know, unless there's like some thing where you, he's got like some deco art or some shit that ties you in somehow to it. I always got to find some connection. It could, be, it could be one fucking thing and I'll run with it. Right. I say, okay, just give me one reason, please. Because we were at lunch. He was like, because you're El Huron. <laughs> wow, that is not a reason, but I will take your passion as a reason. How much time do we have? It's 15 minutes. I said, damn it, I would have worked something up. So I just went to the back room. I came up with a quick little dance routine. And I said, look, you cover me wide, you cover me tight. I'm gonna do a little move here. I'm gonna jump up in the air and land over here. What's the difference between something like that, which is a character doing something that is unexpected, that you wouldn't expect that character to do, What's the difference between it working and it not working on film? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What's the difference between you going, that's weird, but I get it. Like, you know what? A tiny little thing. Okay. Like, uh, I always love that. I know this is going to be an obscure scene. In Charlie's Angels, when Sam Rockwell goes from good guy to bad guy. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see that movie? I did. I love Sam. Sam's a bad I think ass. he's amazing. The shit. But he turned from good guy to bad guy. And as soon as he started turning to bad guy, he just started dancing by himself. Mm -mm. And I was like... I don't know if that was, I doubt that was written, but I was like, that could have come across terribly, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, it was the most perfect thing his character could mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between it being a fucking disaster or the most perfect thing? Rockwell. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really up to the, the artist. You know, you, you can watch some people. Look, hey, I'm, I'm the first to tell you some shit didn't work. Hey, I got this idea. We should try it. What do you think? Unless the director can say, no, 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 no. Like, hey, let's try that. Give me an example of something you tried that you, that just didn't work. Man, you have to give me me. I got to go through 105 credits. Oh, my fucking. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that one. Can <laughs> you, let me ask you a better question. Can you think of something where you and the person you were working with, you were like, I don't think that's going to work. And they insisted and you did it and it worked. Do you know what I mean? Where you were like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I, and that's a for me those things are big grow learning things yeah, right you know, again I, I, again i reiterate i'm so blessed to work with the directors that i've worked with yeah because it's with those guys that you're able to you, you trust each other it's a creative process you know maybe the dp sees something the director of photography yeah maybe the director and you don't see it and he does see it you know what i mean so it's like a good idea is a good idea it doesn't matter where it comes from best idea wins yeah, best idea wins and it should be welcomed in that and should be nurtured and are some actors like if you say you and I are doing a scene together, mm -hmm. I, I I've always said like you know, and I've done a couple things, or I'm, I've I'll said to say to the guy, hey, listen, you can give me a line read. I may not I may not like it, but I'm willing to listen to what you thought it should sound like, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, have you have you worked with actors who aren't open to suggestions at all? And do you, as an actor, suggest to other actors ever? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And are some actors like I don't fucking take suggestions. Um, well, you, you gotta, you kind of have to know your place too. Like, I, I don't like to, I don't like to add any ripples to the water. Right. But if if, if that's how you want to jam with me, then I'm here for you. I'm here for you, however the fuck you want to be. You can get whatever you want. I will tell you now. The reason we know each other is because you worked on one of my wife's films, and she said that about you. She was like, he was the best person to have on set because he was like having somebody else there who was on my side. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? That's and, beautiful. Thank you. And she, but she was like, you know, he and, and other actors and people on the set look to it, look to him. And like, it's, 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 it, 
Is it always good to have one of those people on the set? It's, it's I hope my whole crew and cast like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what you want. It's fucking family, man. Yeah. Like, you're, you're relying to get the day, and you want to do best work, and you want to all shine. I mean, you know, it's like you got makeup people, you got wardrobe people, you got the writers, you got the crew set designers, you got your gaffers, you got everybody who's like doing their own artistry in one way, shape, or form. You know what I mean? So it's like the more the more of a unit you are, the better of a product you're going to have, and the more fun you're going to have, too. It's so important to use that word fun, man. I, I think well, we it's, love what we do. Yeah. It's a lot of work writing a great comedy thing, yes. but it's fun testing it out, and it's fun getting the reaction of the people. I had so much fun this weekend, right? So I'm working on a couple of new jokes, uh, about four new bits that are probably about 20 minutes of my act, right? So the first night, three out of the four were Are like, you going to do all 20 minutes now? I'm not going to do even okay. a minute. <laughs> 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 I had to go drop Not a drop a deuce. <laughs> yeah, well, let me tell you, three out of the four jokes that first night dropped a fucking deuce by themselves. But I will tell you, part of you, as a comic, part of you, it's 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 the most horrifying thing in the world. But it's also so exciting. It's so exciting. It's so much fun to mm -hmm. try something new mm -hmm. that your creative juice is like, and by the fifth show... I had figured out, now not all of them are home runs, but I had figured out the path of all of them. And but figuring it, out that path was joy. like, oh, it's, it's so a reward. fucking so yeah. good, yeah. right? it's a great feeling. But do, when you but also with your with your with your jokes that didn't weren't home runs, you had backup plans that were at least yes. base hits. Like well, that tanked, and you got your little backup joke. Kapow. Well, well, what happens is is like where I where I try, I'll try a couple new jokes up front, uh -huh. and then in the middle. But I always, they're always sandwiched by shit that I know works. Do you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Of course. Like, I'm not going to. Got to have an out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to have an out. When you, uh, so do you do that same creative process when you do your work at your house? Do you, like, when you say you do your work, so say, uh, how long, once you get a role, are you working on that role? A triple nine, before I even got the offer, I, I spoke to Hillcoat. Uh, John Hillcoat was a badass. Another fucking, just a joy to work with, constantly smiling, rascally. Um, he, he, I said, Hey, give me, give me like, uh, three, four YouTube links that, that are kind of like in, in the vibe of what uh, my character has seen and been through and done. And they're all, uh, shootings, you know, one cop getting shot and then like three or four, um, victims, people that got shot, some crazy shit that's yeah. not on the news. Um, <clears throat> I, I was so, you know, Capote and Triple Nine are two films. I think I started preparing right away before even getting offers, because I was so passionate about it, I figured if I didn't get it. <laughs> Are you preparing more also because you know who you're playing against, playing with? Like, knowing you're walking in with Philip Seymour Hoffman, are you like, oh, I better be fucking, I better be so spot on? You know what's funny? Uh, <clears throat> I've known Philip for a long time, rest in peace. It's just, it's been a while now. The anniversary of his passing was just recently. Yeah. Um, he was a friend too, so I, I saw him more as a peer. You know, That's it's like it doesn't mean I wasn't excited to work with him. I still right. have those aha pinch me moments, but those are usually like elders, and I mean elders like you know I'm working with Ed Harris in Westworld right now. That's amazing. You know Sam Jackson. You know like anybody anybody who's old, the Trailblazers, the yeah. parental figures, the mentors. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you like that kind of shit, I, you know? But with so so to get back to your the, yeah the, the material of itself and and the honesty, it's like. You know, what Perry Smith did was obviously horrific. I mean, he committed murders. But I have to understand how he got to that place where I can – so I can bring – you know, people felt for Perry Smith. They, I helped people to understand how this could happen to him. 
you know, a series of bad events, abuse when he's a child and all these things. And I learned some things that aren't even in the movie that mm -hmm. happened to Praise Man. Was, of course, like, you fuck with a pit puppy pit bull, of course he's going to grow up to be a fighting dog, just the yeah. way it is. You know, that's why, that's why I look at these kids that get sent to these uh, juvenile detention centers. You got that, that judge just got sentenced to 20 plus years. Yeah. You don't think those little kids are going to come out like little pit bulls? Little of white, black, mates? Of course they are. What an injustice. This is America. This is yeah. what we're doing our kids for money. This is what we allow. Well, we, we privatized. We the... privatized prisons. Yeah. I mean, that's why your, your success rate when you come out of pr the average prison system is like 30%. Yeah. Whereas in something like Homeboy Industries, CARES is 70%. What is that? This is Father Greg's Homeboy Industries, which helps at-risk gang youths. And it's an organization that, um, that we donate uh, a portion of our proceeds from the cookbook, Prison Ramen, which yep. we'll talk about later. Um, it means a lot to me because they really care. And they give you the, the facilities to go out and be um, you know, a, a positive citizen in society contributing. You know, but when you have a privatized prison, yeah, just like a hotel. If you got a hotel and you got some empty rooms, Daddy's not making any money. No, you gotta fill so that. So Daddy's got to talk to <laughs> his brother Billy, who happens to be mayor of the city, and crank up those yeah. uh, tickets. And, and well, listen, and, you know, people don't people don't get. It's not a lot of rehab in prison. You go to jail and you learn how to be a criminal. You get criminally sophisticated. You in have some to. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you really have, have to. to. You yeah, have to. To survive, you, you have well, to. Yeah. So how long have you been working with Homeboy Industries? Um, I first learned about them. Father Greg taught at my high school, Loyola High School, and he left like I think the first or second year. Um, and then so when I went to go visit my buddy after the Chino Chino riot of '09 in mm -hmm. August, uh, he pitched me the idea of the cookbook because he tell he, everybody about the cookbook. The cookbook is called Prison Ramen, and uh, one of my buddies, Gustavo Alvarez, we call Goose. Um, there was this big prison riot in Chino in August of 09 you can youtube you can see all the dorms burning there was eight dorms and the the last one was his and his his door was getting busted down and through a an act of like uh what's what's normally inside the system mm -hmm. whether i've got something personal against you or not if you're latino and i'm black we're just enemies mm -hmm. you know um it's not personal so they were in a part of the dorms where they were at low level security they're getting ready to get out soon <clears throat> there was a, a black guy there that was a uh, you know, he's a pretty important person out on the street, although he was an active guy, mm -hmm. but he still, he's earned his stripes and stuff. So he was able to step up and, and just, uh, you know, he experienced this act of uh, humanity, you know? And it's like what, what Goose tells me, you know, Cliff, it wasn't a black or brown thing, it was a human thing. Yeah. And we were all suffering and they wouldn't let, when the, when the riot was over and after the National Guard came in and killed whoever they needed to kill and drag out and they picked up the blood and all the pieces, they left all the inmates outside to, uh, to just stay out and suffer in the cold. So uh, um, they came up with all this, this idea to get all their commissary together, all their food and their ramen. And ramen in prison is a, a staple. Like every ramen's worth a dollar. It's used as currency. Um, college, uh, too, by the way. College, too, exactly. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah. another form of incarceration because <laughs> yeah. you'll be indebted and incarcerated that <laughs> debt forever. Yeah. Yeah, so um, they, he just collected a bunch of food, and they started making coffees and passing to the hole that was made through the steel door um, and started feeding everybody. And that's what he came with this idea on on just how to heal and give back to the guys that are locked down. You know, regardless, if you're behind bars and you know, hopefully you get one of these books. What is the book about? Tell them. Um, it, it, it's got all of his, uh, a lot of his ramen prison recipes, mm -hmm. all original recipes. Um, and along, I, I was like, I wanna help out the inmates. He said, well, how do, we, how do we help out in a bigger way? Like, how can we impact more people and get a, a, like a deeper message? I said, I know what. I said, there's this story that I, I pitched to Sam Jackson, a, a, 
when I did, actually it was in 05, because I was doing Capote when he FedExed me this, this manuscript. Uh -huh. It's basically a diary. Um, and and, it, and we, we fabricated a bunch of stuff to create his actual story that we're writing now. Um, but I, I sent it to him and I said, well, why don't we take some of those, there's so many life lessons in his life story, and that's yeah. what's so beautiful about it, because it's all about uh, a, common, a, a, a consciousness of the heart you know what I mean? An awakening of the heart yeah. and humanity, and it's not about black or brown or Crips or Bloods or this or that. It's not us versus them. You know, it's it's we're all we're all people. You know what I mean? So I said, why don't we include little slices of your stories for every recipe? He's like, wow, that's great. And I thought, fuck, well, let me. I guess my celebrity for like Danny Trejo's done some time. He knows what it's like to be locked down, yeah. and not have any visitors or any of this stuff. I mean, that guy's involved with so many humanitarian, animal charities. Like he's consistently and constantly doing all kinds of charities. I, I can't keep up with him. He's fucking amazing. Badass. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so we did that, and then um, I thought, fuck. I said it only. Honestly, uh, being a mentor aside, uh, it's, that's all it is. He's just my mentor, man. He's like my family. Uh, I was like, how could I not have Sam Jackson do the forward? Like, he's my dude. Yeah. Like, it, it's only right, like, with the message of this book and, and all of it. It's like, so so he wrote the forward. Um, I brought it to Father Greg. I said, Father, I'd, I'd love if I could get a story from you, and um, I'd love to help out. And when we got our advance, I went to go have breakfast with them at uh, Homeboy Industries. And I was like, hey, Father, I said, who would I make the checkout to? He goes, well, what do you, what do you mean, son? I said, well, I told you I was going to take care of you guys. He's like, what? Well, well, we got our advance. I said, oh, my goodness. Who do I make it out to? He's like, wow. It felt such, I can't tell you felt how good, good right? that fucking felt to just write that check. Oh, my God. And so you. I personally go down and handwrite it. Yeah. And just <laughs> ba -bam. see it and go. With no email or a transfer. No, by the way, and you know it's going to the right person when you get to hand it to him. Yeah, Somebody sure. asked online if you were going to plan on writing another book. I have a feeling. <laughs> well, because, you know, Mark Wahlberg was going to give me a story. I spoke to him when I was doing Ballers, which is why I did Ballers, was reconnect with him. And then um, Snoop, Snoop Dogg was going to give me one. So there's a few people I missed. But since then, I've had a lot of other celebrity and musician friends. So you're going to do a second one? We'll see. It's, it's, uh, there's, it's still catching on. I'm still having, like, I'm still catching the flag from, like, Isaiah Washington come like, yo, dude, this book, man, it's fucking ridiculous. The people don't know about this book yet. I'm like, well, they're going to. Hold on. Well, let's grab some lunch and talk about it. I'm like, okay, three hours later. Really? <laughs> he's just talking about the book. I'm like, all right, when we're but done it's eating. really we'll impact. Why do you think it, it caught on so much? Uh, it shows what really goes on. People don't know what goes on in prison. They think they do. Because they learn from movies and TV. Movies and TV. But, I mean, look, look, look at Lee Baca. You know, Lee, Lee Baca was so disconnected and thought he was so above the law. I mean, you're a sheriff, and all due respect, but to, to send your men out to intimidate a federal agent to not to cease your operation, <laughs> stop investigating me. I'm Lee Baca. I'm the sheriff, and you're the FBI. Yeah. So fuck you. Yeah. We're gonna incarcerate you. <laughs> I mean, he was directly responsible for moving an inmate, orchestrating the whole structure of moving this inmate every 48 hours. He was an informant, so they would. They would pull him out. They would once they found out that he was wired and all this. Well, they found his cell phone's what it was. Oh, yeah. Um, and you can get that from Dirty Staff. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, Dirty Staff. What is that? Dirty Staff. Just uh, a correctional officer. Look, do you, you bring a cell phone in? You can flip that bitch for a quick five hundred. You can buy a fifty dollars cell phone, make well, a hundred percent profit. They just busted. Did you see in what jail? Chicago. Was it like forty-seven or forty-nine correctional well, officers? That's Georgia. Was that Georgia? Yeah. It was crazy. That ran. Well, it's not deep. crazy. Forty nine. That's like. <laughs> well, that's a large percentage. That's, that's just that's just the people that want to make a difference. So, how many other prisons in this country? 
Yeah. We we house uh, 25% of the prison population. Well, it's not like people aren't doing 25%. We're not the biggest country in the world. No, but 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 it's also like it's not like people are going to jail and not doing drugs. There's drugs in oh, jail. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, drugs, I mean, look, it's 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 easier to smuggle in some drugs in a big old friggin' Samsung. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big old, you know, yeah, with, yeah, with, with yeah. Uh, my friggin' Yeah, that's awesome, not uh, listen. Yeah, my you, note, my note you, five. You can try to put that in my ass, but I don't think that's. <laughs> that's not what I. Heard. <laughs> Word on the street. <laughs> Word on the street. That's why my nickname is Samsung. <laughs> Samsung bum. Uh, Samsung hung bung. This is a fucking. Samsung. That's a, they that's take a, care of me. Samsung. It's a beauty, dude. That's heavy. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's this, this the note you can do so many beautiful things, especially really? as a writer. Oh my god. Yeah, you pull do, have you gotten into writing? Yeah, uh, you know, right now we're we're working on my buddy's um, story. It's inspired by my by, by Goose's life story. Really? I mean, it's 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 inspired. Do you, what do you like? Okay, so acting, mm-hmm. directing. I love directing. Writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, getting to the writing part, we have Adam Simon spearheading this this project, and Adam Simon wrote "Man Down" with Gary Oldman. Yeah, that's good we mentioned stuff. Gary Oldman yeah. Earlier. yeah. So, what do you like the most? Is it still acting? Acting is the one. Is or are you? I'm getting better at acting. So I think you're pretty good. I'm getting better though. I'm getting better. So yeah, <laughs> you. But, but do you like still now get nervous? Yeah. Do you? Oh yeah. You get the same butterflies. Well, you I, got? St- I still love it. Yeah, you know. Somebody asked me that. They said, "Why do you still get nervous?" I go, "Because I care." Yeah, that's I care. right. Because yeah. I care. It's not that I'm nervous. That although for a long time, to kind of psych myself up before I went on stage every night, I would say, "Tonight's the night they find out that I'm not that funny," and mm-hmm. it would make me. It would kind of make me go, "I gotta fucking shake them, right?" But and now I get nervous because I care. Because I want. Not that I. Not that I. Um, I care about my craft. That's think, what it is. I think anybody who cares, and and because could be artist or, or even a businessman, is going to have that fear. I think that fear is innate with the desire to um, want to do good work, the kind of work you want to uh, want your gifts to be accepted. You know, and the same. Even Father Greg talks about it in the, the tattoos on the heart. Yeah, he says I, my, one of my greatest fears is is having waking up one day and having people realize I'm a fraud. That's the, or that's, think that I'm a fraud, and he gives so much. I mean, you, you walk into Homeboy Industries, he's he's like Moses. I said, Father G, I said, I heard you could walk right in the middle of a real life gang fight and part it like the Red Sea. He says, <laughs> Yes, son, that is true, but for the home girls, for that you must bring backup. <laughs> how old is he? Uh, God, I don't know how old is he. Just what? How old is he? I don't know. I got to take you down there, brother. It's I very. It's magical. You know, we work. It's magical. Uh, I work with these um, teenage kids every year, uh, and they are kids who, you know, their parents are either in jail mm. or they're abusive, mm. and they um, they've been taken out of their homes either in East LA or South Central, and they they're putting these homes up in the hills. They're um, an hour and a half from my house in Sherman Oaks, because. Um, that it's too far for the gangs to come get them. That and they because Who said that? we put well. This is the theory. They're up in a mountain in the snow. Okay. Right. So they're up. Wait, up who's up. this? It's a. It's called Clearview Center. Okay. Okay. So there's four houses up there, mm-hmm. and so it's also really not too far, but it's hard to get down the mountain when it's snowing and then get all the way back. Right. So they take them. They remove them because they remove them out of gangs oh, and gotcha. stuff. Right. 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 So mm-hmm. they take them and they put them in school up there, and so. Uh, we go up there and we work with them every year, but we also, I supply all four houses of kids with gifts every Christmas. 
And um, it's the most rewarding thing. I got, and they all write me handwritten letters afterwards. Oh, man. And it's, so it's about 40 yeah. kids every year. Yeah. And every year we make sure everybody has two pairs of shoes, T-shirts. So one kid wrote me a letter, and he was 15. Mm. And he said, Dear Mr. Wolf, I can't tell you how much this means to me. I've never gotten a Christmas present before. Mm. And he said, and to get it from a stranger, strangers don't treat me well. All the letters, the common theme in the letters, dude, were strangers. A stranger has never looked at me and been generous. Yeah. What a fucking, that was so heartbreaking to me, dude, mm. because I'm like, because I know how people look at me when I walk down the street, right? Mm. I, I've never thought that. Oh, some people, if I looked a certain way, people would look at me with hate or fear. Like a, I would never have a generosity of, of a stranger. Mm -hmm. I, I receive that. Like... It's something that I take for granted, and I had never, it had never sunk into me that none of these kids had ever had a hand reach out to them before. They're just looking to belong. Ever, and the yeah. kid said, you, one of the kids said, you made me want to pay it forward. You made me want uh, to do something good for somebody else. Even if you died today, you just made a difference. I, but That's just one that you know of, out but, of thousands probably. But dude, how insane to yeah. go through your life knowing that everyone who looks at you looks at you with hate or contempt so that compassion that you just learned yeah that empathy that just grew yeah that that's that's what people don't know about these kids and and you'll get that from the majority of them so to think that you just had a humanizing experience and uh, I think this society especially the media is so quick to demonize all these people not realizing the backstory it doesn't justify what they did but you're not gonna be able to fix it until you know what the fucking problem is yeah. you go to the root you just because you cut off a limb doesn't mean you're gonna fix a tree you're not going to well I, what i learned from those kids is a lot of them it's not that they don't care but they just don't think they have an option and they're like who wh why shouldn't i do this because i'm either gonna do this or and die here or just die here but it's also about having a family about having a purpose yeah about as silly as that might sound being it's not part silly of the, at all dude okay so you understand but for those people out there that want to belong to something this is something where like like something like the, this is a gross exaggeration, but the blue line and how like a lot of men won't speak out on these negative things. You know, Officer Brello, you know, stand on the hood, dumping hundreds of rounds into these people with 15 officers. So I won't say that he jumped on the hood. Mm -hmm. that, that protecting line, that's wrong because they've they've got a answer to America. Yeah. But gangbangers don't. They're they didn't pay take an oath. They're not being paid to protect anybody. Although they do act as a protection system for a lot of different neighborhoods, not all of them. You got good and bad in everybody. Mm -hmm. um, so, but when you go there, that's what I noticed was like you've got these people that don't have much. And when you hear those kind of things, like I help a lot of friends, and I, I one of the things I do get is a lot of thanks. I get a lot yeah. of thanks for a lot of people, and that feels good. It's, it's you try to be strong in front of them, but it tr truly it's heartbreaking. We started crying. I, yeah, I brought. It's hard not to, dude. I, I brought. I brought <laughs> Beth. And Jacob yeah. to a house where it was a, it was a woman. She had eight kids, mm. no husband, no help. And so I had bought them a PlayStation and um, like six new games, and we decorated the tree and we did everything. And this little kid was sitting there crying, wow. right? And he's crying, and his tears are just pouring down his face. Mm. And he was like, "I've never seen a video game before." And I go, "What?" He goes, "I've heard about them." I know people talk about him. He goes, that's a video game? And he was like, yeah, I'm going to fucking start to cry. But he was like, I never thought I would see a video game. They had just gotten a TV, dude. Mm. I was like, 
it was so heartbreaking, but this, the joy on these kids' face. A stuffed animal, yeah. a stuffed, a, a $2 stuffed animal, this little girl would not put it down. Yeah. She wouldn't put it down. Her mm. mom gave, sent a picture a month later, <laughs> still holding on to this stuffed animal because she'd never had a stuffed animal That's before. That's beautiful. But dude, you still have that picture? Fuck yeah, I yeah, have that picture. I'd frame it. it it's like, it's, it's, but, but it, those are the parts of the story that are left out. Yeah, well, for a reason. <laughs> you know how bad how bad uh, America would feel if, if like uh, there's some accident, there's a, a gun accident, a cop accident shoots that little girl. Yeah, because you know that story, it would destroy America. It was like when you know the humanity, and you're not just some little fucking rug rat, some evil demon beast. Yeah, you know, children aren't born bad. You know, and everybody can turn around. Everybody deserves second chances. I believe in second chances so much. I I, I always tell people. My... I don't mean second chances in regards to shooting unarmed people because there's no. a lot of cops. Not a lot, but the ones that are bad that do get busted are, have usually have like a history of doing that kind Look, of. Look, there were bad people on both sides. Yeah, exactly. But, but okay. What well, I mean, actually, by... let me just to clear something up real quick. When I ran away from home at sixteen, yeah, I ran away. In Why a state... did you run away? Uh, I one, I didn't have a voice. Okay, I didn't matter what I said. I was never listened to, um, and uh, my mom was trying to control me, and and trying to keep me from seeing my grandfather at the time. And they were the family was fighting. The family was fighting. Yeah, yeah it was just some. There's a lot of violence in my family. Did you live on the street? Uh, I had uh, kind of, but I had two friends pull me off the street pretty fast. Two black friends. One was a cop. Mm-hmm. And the other one was a Trey Crip. Um, I'm still friends with the Crip. I'm not fr- friends with the cop anymore. We just lost touch. It mm-hmm. wasn't, no, he was a dear, dear friend. Yeah. He took care of him. I love him to death, and I'd love to get back in touch with him. His name was Anthony. Um, and the Crip friend's got a welding shop now and all this. So he's a great dude. <laughs> but uh, that's who I stayed with when I ran away. So. And so when you ran away, mm-hmm. you packed up a couple things. What was the, like, did you have an end goal? Do you know what I mean? When you leave end that house. End goal was to prove my um, freedom because my cousin ran away. <laughs> my cousin ran away like a couple months before me. And he was only gone for a week. I'm like, dude, a week? What kind of fucking statement is that? Like, your mom's not gonna. And then you went to grandma's. That's not running yeah, away. No, that's not. That's like that's like running away into the treehouse in the backyard. Your, your, your mom's kid, gonna yeah. sleep good tonight. <laughs> Fuck that. She's actually happy. She's yeah. happy because you're She's not like, at the house. Uh, yeah. You're not at the house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I. How long uh, were you gone? I was gone for a, like three months. What? Yeah, I was gone for a long. And my grandpa wanted me to come home. He didn't want me on the streets. He was worried about me. So, uh, Did you I stay like, in school? I, well, that was the thing is I'm going to – and it hurt to run away because there's, there's a certain sense of a, abandonment even though I was the one running away. Yeah. It, sh- it should be me abandoning them, but it wasn't that. I felt like, you know, why didn't my mom care about us enough to at least pay attention to me, my stepdad? Like when my stepdad came to the picture, it became about my stepdad and my, my little brother and my sister, and I became kind of like the B family. Mm-hmm. And um, I was really never spoken to. Like I, it was almost like I was invisible. Like they really? would have conversations kind of around me. Um, which is why it's so important. For how long? For, I, I guess kind of forever. <laughs> I mean, they're not together anymore. Right. Um, how long were they together? You were how old when they got together? I was probably like like nine. So it was a good seven years. Yeah. Yeah. And that dude just never took to you? No, not at all. I, I tried to. But, you know, I, I had to learn to be a, a young adult. Um, you know, I like, you know, hey, dad, what's going on? Like, how was your day? And he's like, oh, I don't want to talk right now. Uh, I had a long day. This is kind of rough. Uh, and then my little brother would come in, his son. I'm like, hey, sport, come here and sit on your daddy's lap. Tell me about mm-hmm. your day. I'm like, right in front of me. I'm like, as close as I am to you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's his blood. Of course he doesn't give a shit about me. 
Yeah, but, but I was a kid going like, oh, that's. But that's not how. You're fucking my mom and that's your kid and I get it. You saw how Beth behaved with my kids. Yeah, amazing. Like they amazing. were, like they were her. Yes. So yes. there, I, I don't, I don't subscribe to that shit at all. Like if you sign up and you're going to marry that woman and with the kids, you can't sign up just to be married to the woman and take care of your kid. That's not the fucking deal. You're mm. a grown up. Like yeah. you have to embrace because it. you actually uh, don't seem to be as scarred by it as a lot of kids are. Like, how, did you get perspective? Perspective? Yeah. Grandpa helped a lot. Um, my friends helped a lot, too. But grandpa and friends for sure. And so when you ran away at 16, was the dude still there? My, my stepdad? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I ran away, and then my grandpa was like, hey, come stay with me. Like, well, I want you out in the street. And I was like, well, I don't want, you know, I don't need to bring any more heat to the house. Like, right. my, aunt, my aunt's not talking to you. My uncle's not talking to you. My mom's not talking to you. He goes, well, I don't care what this. I'm an old man. I could die any minute. Like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm like, no, I, I get it, and I appreciate you, grandpa, for standing up and taking a bullet for, for me, but I, I can't do that to you. So you went out, and so you were gone for three months, and when you came back, the stepdad was still there? Yeah, he was still there, but it was like, it was just weird. It was just like, okay, uh, Cliff's leaving now. It was like it didn't. There was no more questions. Like, where are you going? What time you coming back? Or give me the number you're gonna be. Or blah, blah, blah. None, none of that, that stuff. It was just like I would just kind of come and go. And that's when I ended up moving my grandparents because I, I felt love there. I wanted to be where the love was. That's why people go to Homeboy Industries, man. That's where that's where that's Hope's address. There's you know, a lot of love there. Listen, love. dude, I have to tell you, like people use that word love uh, and throw it around, but it is so important. Like I said before, with my kids in one bedroom, mm -hmm. we didn't have anything, but they knew they were loved. Like it, it was, it carried us so far. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just carried yeah. us in very difficult times. It carried us because love implies also that I have your back and that I would do anything in the world for you. And that, sure. do you know what I mean? And yeah. so you feel there's, and you also feel safe, right? Yeah. And for a kid, feeling safe is super important. Yeah, I didn't feel safe in my house. No, but that fucks you and up. my grandparents, I did. Now, how it, it fucks you up not to feel safe. Yeah, you start fighting earlier, that kind of stuff. I did a lot of martial arts. Did you? Yeah, and I also didn't hang out with my gangbanger friends. It was like, you know, I felt safe there, even, <laughs> even though I got shot at a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? I feel safer in a place where I got shot at than that, at home. I'm not sure if irony is the right I, word. I never got like, shot at at home. No. I got my ass beat plenty, but I didn't get shot at. Who swang at you at the house? Oh, uh, I just and just ass whoopings I deserved. It yeah. wasn't just random ass whoopings. Do you uh, <laughs> do you subscribe to the? Uh, I never really. Let me ask you something. Yeah. When you sit down, by the way, when we sit down, and how long do you think we've been talking? Forty-five. We've been talking for like almost an hour and a half. Oh wow! Is that crazy? <laughs> it just goes. It just and I've been. I know Aaron's been waving at me. There've been phone calls, so I will open it up. I apologize, everybody. Oh, but real quick, can I just address one thing in regards yeah. to the prep stuff? Yeah. Um, going back to uh, uh, like where I start. Yeah. In regards to Triple Nine, because that's coming out. Isn't that funny, by the way? Like, how many tangents have we gone? Since? Oh, I'm hip. But I do the same okay, thing. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I got I got a couple bullet points you in my head okay, that are yours yeah. too. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm following I, your tangents. Okay. Me going, oh God. I was gonna have a pad and paper so I could go back to this. Yeah, go back to that, yeah, go back yeah. to this. <laughs> My brain goes like, what? "Oh, me too, buddy. Yeah, me too." Okay. Um, so uh, uh, it, it touches a little bit on my military background, and I've I've conjured up this story that I ran past Hillcoat that me and Chewy Till Norman, Chewy Till Norman have uh, like Navy SEAL and like maybe perhaps Blackwater ties or that kind of thing. Yeah. I did military excursions. That's where our history is. So we've got some very dark shit that we've done that, that I'm sure pales in comparison to the atrocities happening in this country. Yeah. Um, 
So that said, I reached out to some of my uh, my military friends, um, Troy Smith being one of them, and um, a Royal Marine buddy of mine that seen some action. And I said, what's one of the foulest things you can do out there, like when you're fighting and you're in the thick of it, and real enemies, legit, um, like what are the things that they say? And and I got some cool tips, and I was like, oh, wow, well, I'm going to go with that. So I came up with this backstory that I got hardened. I lost a piece of my humanity at war. And you see that thousand-yard stare, you know, combat veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go to the VA to help soldiers. Um, however the fuck they need me. If you want to talk, cool. If you don't, I get it. Because mm-hmm. you see some motherfuckers, and you're like, that dude does not want to talk. <laughs> yeah. But if he does, yeah. I'm all fucking ears, come hell or high water. You know what I mean? You just want to be there for them. If you don't need me, just know I'm here for you not to need me. Yeah. I'm also here if you do need me. You have a huge giving streak, dude. Always? For those that, like that, yeah. Oh, yeah, always? For those, well, not for an entitled bastard. I know, I know. But... <laughs> hey, I called Trump and he needs me. Trump needs me really bad. I got to go, Josh. I'm out of here. Dude looks like he soaks his face Loser. In no, I, I'm not a loser. You need me, Trump. <laughs> no, not him. <laughs> but you Tr- do... Trump does to the marriage, to the, to the, uh, the presidential oh. whole process, what uh, the bachelor does to uh, it's the marriage institution. So embarrassing, it's so embarrassing, It's so embarrassing. Oh, but wait, getting back real quick, okay. and then we can go on any tangents <laughs> okay. and phone calls. Uh, so I came up with this thing. I'm, 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 I'm a, a different character. I've got some pieces of morality that'll probably hit me when I retire, as a in this movie. So I came up with this thing. It's you'll see this Arabic writing on my hand, right between my that runs along the line of my index finger and my thumb, mm-hmm. and it's in Arabic. And it took us a long time to get this translated. We got like six different translations. I finally got the right one, and it basically it translates into your mother's cunt, which is the worst thing you can say to an insurgent. To a it, lot of people. In my backstory, <laughs> no, but just you know, in, to in, a lot in, of people. Yeah. In, in Detective Frankel's backstory, before I was a detective in high crimes division in, G- yeah. in Georgia. It, this is what I wanted the insurgent to read, the last thing to see. I wanted it to be the last thing he saw. I choked the life out of him. So that was a seed I created to plant for Detective Frank when I ran that past Hillco, and then I started to build upon that. How important is a backstory... That wasn't written. Right. How important is a backstory that the audience never sees? How oh, is, well, you'll, you'll see the tattoo. Right, but how important is it for you to build a backstory that the audience never sees or hears about as an actor well, for that character? They do, well. Oh, if they're not, if it's something they're not going to see, like when I was doing Tigerland, yeah, I had my dad's draft card on me the whole time, which says Clifton Collins on it. Yeah, so it's my name. Right. I carried the crucifix that I used in the movie. Um, my grandfather carried with him when he was in the Korean War. My uncle carried with him all throughout Vietnam, and now I'm carrying it in the Vietnam movie called Tigerland. Right. That really saw action. So you do see the crucifix. I told Joel. Schumacher, the director, about the crucifix. Like, oh my God, can we use it? I'm like, yeah. So it's in the movie. But the you never saw the draft card. I still kept it on my person. I knew I had it. Right. And it was my draft card. It's... But you also build the backstory, like the, the why the tattoo is here, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Those are things that the audience never knows. How important is it for the actor to build that backbone of the character, where he came from, what his experiences were, all of that stuff, does that, uh, that how does that come out through the dialogue? Do you know what I mean? Um, it, it's a, a, an intensity. It's a, a way to. I mean, that could have been the topic of a, of an improv for a scene, you know, with an actor. Yeah. You know, one of the new, you know, Casey Affleck is like the the rookie to the division, so he could have came out and be like, "Oh, what's that mean? Your mother's cunt." You right. know what I mean? We didn't. I mean, we went through a couple different ways because they love the idea so much. Like, yeah. do we tell them it was just a little little Easter egg? You know what I mean? 
It's amazing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, but so but those, you'll see the tat though. I can't wait to see the movie. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Um, okay, hold on. I, and I know we've been I've been waving off phone calls. 323-282-7424. 323-282-7424. A lot of people asking online about if there's going to be another Boondock. Um, I I Troy wrote it. It's written. And well, it's just a matter of timing now. I guess I don't know. I there's a, Troy's got a couple things in the cooker right. Troy's got Troy's got a couple of really fantastic projects right now. Why do you think that first one was such a cult hit? It connected with the people, and people are tired. People are tired. The people are tired. What do you think about that? But why do you think that movie? Like, what is it about it? Like, just, it just says all the things you always wanted to say. It's the same reason why we like Death Wish. Yeah. With Charlie Bronson, you know what oh, I mean, I or, or, or any that. Yeah. any well-intentioned, good-hearted vigilante film with humor is uh, just always fun. I mean, Pulp Fiction. You brought up okay, we'll tell you. Hey, you're on with Clifton and Josh. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Josh. It's Justin from Quincy. How are you? What's up, Justin? How are you, man? You're on with uh, Clifton. What's up, Justin? Not too much. How are you, Mr. Gonzalez? 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 <laughs> Pretty fucking awesome, man. <laughs> uh, what's going on, man? I mean, have you did? Uh, he's casually thrown out five or six iconic movies that he was in, and also casually thrown out about a zillion iconic people. It's kind of crazy, right? It's a it's a different. It, I mean, it completely blows my mind just how centered. You yeah. are, you know, I mean, with, with everything that you've gone through in your life, I mean, listening to your story is fantastic. Uh, it, it's just hard for me to, uh, to hear everything that you've been through, but to see the excellent man that you've become, it's, it's truly inspirational, man. I appreciate it. Oh, well, I cool. appreciate you, man. Thank you for that. Um, do you have a, a, a question? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm a giant nerd and, Fuck uh, yeah, I love nerds. Said, love them. Yeah. The event was uh, was kind of my my go to. I'm, okay. I'm still reeling that that never came back to television. <laughs> uh, what what was it like to work on a show like that that did and still does have a really huge cult following and uh, so many people still hoping that there's a, a an X file kind of moment for that show. They were talking about it coming back because really? there was a lot of pissed off people. Yeah. You know, I knew something was going on when they when they decided to kill me for the ratings. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's Christmas time. I want to take one for the team. Look, if you just make it big, I want a big. Just make it big. I want everybody to keep working. Like I wasn't mad. Right. Was <laughs> I think it? most actors are like, what the hell? You're killing me. What the fuck? No. On a on a on a on a on a but show the, like that, how yeah. far in advance do you know what's happening? Uh, well, on that show in particular, uh, not not a lot. So to answer Justin's question, uh, look, it's. I got to work with Jason Ritter. I mean, my grandfather was friends with Tex Ritter. So really? it's just so cool to like. I brought a poster. I gave him, I gave, I gave Ritter a poster that had my grandpa's name in Texas. That's as, amazing. As grandpa's, yeah. So just to be a part of that cast, Blair Underwood and the girl played my mama and everybody else that's involved with it. It was just a lot of fun, but it, part of the thing where the writers didn't want to tell us certain things. And I was like, well, this is kind of unusual. How am I supposed to play this? And in all honesty, I, they really didn't know, so I had to play kind of the middle of the road. Westworld's a very different thing, and they don't tell us a lot of things either. Um, but it's you know it's 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 J.J. Abrams and, and Jonah Nolan and these real badass. When is Westworld coming out? I think June, but I, I, I trust them you know wholeheartedly. So right. I, I'm like, if you want to tell me something cool, like someone's like, well, you know, I'll tell you this a little bit. Well, nah, maybe don't, because I'm working the way I'm working now. Right. If you think there's something I need to convey, you're not seeing, then let me know, because I kind of want to. I kind of want to. I want to cheat. 
Yeah. I want to play with everybody else. So the event, we didn't know. And honestly, they were coming up with an ending because they didn't have an ending. Oh. Yeah. How's that, that's Justin? That's the worst part. <laughs> well, they could have... No real ending. They could have wrote a great ending. We just didn't get to it. And they killed me, so I wouldn't have known about it anyway. <laughs> Unless I came back as somebody else. You could have. Justin, um, is it like... Uh, when you watch a show like the event and and it, it starts with that with a cult following, yeah, and there's mm-hmm. are there still because I, I did not watch the event. Are there still people that are talking about it online on a show like that? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it was it was such a it was dramatic, but it, it, I can't even put it into words. It was just it was one of the most fantastically written fantastically acted the the ensemble cast worked so well together yeah and then for it to just go away i mean the very last episode josh picture this picture this okay the very last episode the home planet for the aliens uh-huh. comes through and juxtapositioned with our moon we now see this alien planet cut to black end of season two and then they say, you know what? We're not coming back. <laughs> We're not coming back, man. <laughs> and even though I died before that, from the bottom of my heart, Justin, I apologize on behalf of my cast that well, was living. Yeah, that's maybe why they didn't bring it back. No one was watching anymore. No, there was actually a lot of, we were super close. And, you know, a lot of times this is politics, too. I mean, you could have a show that is ready to go, and you could have some new guy come in and say, no, I got to bring my show in because I need credit. New guy is basically, that's what, and, you know, Justin, that's one of the reasons that what happened with my talk show is that the person who bought the show was replaced. There you go. And really, it, yeah. And when somebody gets replaced, basically, look, I get it. When new guy comes in and goes, well, if my ship is sinking, it's sinking with me with a captain's hat on. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to get rid of these other things and put things on my ship. And that's basically what happened to my show. They, someone new came in and. And was just like, this is not the show. I didn't buy this show, yeah, so we're getting now we it. got this show. Yeah, exactly. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. One um, window closes and yeah. another one opens. A lot more. I always that's find right. when one closes, more than one opens. Or like Goose says, if it doesn't open, then go ahead and make a hole. Fucking yeah, <laughs> walk right through it. Yeah. Uh, Justin, you have any more questions? No, man. I I, I want to get off the phone as quickly as possible. I know there's a lot of other callers. Social media was blowing up big time with him uh, on the show today. So, All right. It's been fantastic. So thank you very much. I appreciate speaking with you, sir. I I appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Justin. Very, very happy to have done so. Awesome. All right, right, Justin. Be good, brother. Thank you. You too. Bye. You know what? One thing I wanted to say that I forgot to tell you, Mm. which is I don't know if there's a compliment or not. You tell me. When I watch your characters and your bad, the bad guys that you play, and I say bad guys in quotation for this reason, I don't. When you play someone who someone will go, he plays a killer. I don't see you playing a killer. I see you playing a dude. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you don't go into the role going, he's a killer, oh, right? Hi, Josh. How are you? Today? Right, right, right. So <laughs> it's the way you describe the guy from Capote. Uh-huh. You described. You were like, this is a guy. You were. You played a character who had reasons in his life. For why it unfolded the way it unfolded, you didn't play a killer. Is there is there a difference? Am I? Is that right in saying that? Sure, sure. Yeah, it is. It's a probably a bigger conversation, <laughs> but, but it is. I totally I agree with you. Because yeah, when I watch you play those characters, which is why I like, dude. I do you see the Revenant? Yeah, I saw it twice, two days in a row. That's Alejandro. I did babble with him. Dude, well, okay. 
hold on, we'll get to that. But it took me 20 minutes into the movie to go, oh, that's fucking Tom Hardy. That he had disappeared. Yep, he me disappeared. Too. Me too. But you do the same thing, right? So it all here's the thing: it, it, your face doesn't change, but it changes because it's like you're a different person. So I don't see your. It's such a weird thing, dude. This, your this face. Ph this photographer shot me last yeah. week, who I've known for like 20 years. She's never shot me, and mm -hmm. she shot me, and she says, "Clifton, don't take this the wrong way, but I see a lot of different people in you." And I was like, "Huh." She goes, I, I just see different faces in you. Like you're putting out these characters. I was like, oh. <laughs> I, I, I was just goofing because we were hanging out. Yeah. And she was taking pictures while we were doing it. But in the process, these different things come out. I don't know. I don't know really how to. But when you see yourself on, well, it's probably well, hard for you. Well, Triple Nine, I had a couple jump, like, who the fuck is that? Really? Yeah. I had like, ooh, goddamn, that guy's at sun. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. I ain't got it. <laughs> Uh, do you think um, you saw you saw Creed too? No, I want to though. Oh, dude! My buddy saw it. Said he was like cried. Oh my god, Stallone! <laughs> a manly, manly friend of mine. Yes, said, I cried. I did too. I fucking <laughs> cried. Stallone was so good. But it, it, when I see guys like Tom Hardy and they do Revenant, I'm like, how does he not? How does he? How do you not win an Oscar for that? Mm -hmm. He was like, when you can watch someone on screen for that long and not realize it's him. And and have him mm -hmm. be an incredibly recognizable yeah. dude. Yeah, and he didn't have many redeeming factors, but yet you liked him still. But that's that's to me, it's the Tony Soprano factor. Yeah, yeah. Because you're you. He's wait, got a purpose. And he's, he's human. got a purpose. He's yeah. human. Like I, yeah. I I I gravitate. Perfect people don't interest me. And I get I'm so bored. Right, I'm bored. fucking bored. I had an ex girlfriend like, yeah, I'm never gonna be perfect. Like I don't date your perfect. Yeah, I leave you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want perfect. Perfect yeah. is so boring. It's perfect is boring. So but that's what the thing. Tony Soprano, look, he was a fucking horrible person, but there was some humanness to him. I saw him with his wife. I saw him with his yeah, kids. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of understood that his dad, and that that's why he is who he like. All that stuff. You had the backstory. You're like. Yeah. I don't agree with it, but I'm 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 in for this fucking ride. Right, like that that to me, the humanness. He had way, that in real life too, by the way. Uh, uh, he did. Yeah, I heard he was a just a gentle dude. Yeah, Gandolfini, rest in peace. I did the uh, Last Castle and with Robert Redford too. Redford, Mark Ruffalo, dear friend, was, was getting a lot of heat on Spotlight. If you haven't seen Spotlight, it's a great a, movie. It's a fascinating. It's but fantastic. Was Redford one of those guys that you say, as far as you know, paying homage? That's one of those guys when you walk on set and you're like, that's fucking Robert Redford. Oh, my God, yeah. And, in fact, you wanted him to be like, you know, Sundance from the Sundance Kid. Like, yeah. You wanted him to be like the great god that we kind of worshipped as actors and artists. You know yeah. what I mean? Not literally. What type but... of guy is he on set? He's a great guy, but he's, uh, I think we a lot of us turned, we, we had a couple issues on set. So, I think as actors, you turn to, you turn to your elders. Mm -hmm. I didn't turn to the younger actors, I turned to the older ones. Um, uh, the Sopranos had already been like this was season two, so the phenomenon of the Sopranos was just kicking in. Yeah. So even like all, you had all these people in Nashville screaming, "Tony Soprano, Tony Sopranos!" Girls, like, hey, you get off me! Come on, you come on, get your hands off me, both of you! Come on, hey, you! Like he goes, "Oh my God, Michael Imperioli!" Yeah, that's Michael right there, Michael Imperioli. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm Clifton. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's Michael. You know him. Come on, my show. Yeah. He's like, nah, hey, come on. <laughs> but 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 uh, Red Redford was there. He uh. He was just letting the director do his job, and I, 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 in hindsight, I understand what he was doing. But I think, being the guy who created Sundance, we all turned to him for for knowledge and wisdom and help, like help us be more together, help us get this done right, help us 
yeah, have a sense of like togetherness and community. You know what I mean? It's like, is there a feeling? Do, do, do you ever get the feeling that he would have been like, I don't want to undercut anybody's power? Yes, a little bit of that, and also he he came in so late. He, he wasn't involved with the project from the beginning to end. So there's a lot of things you're just not going to know. Right. So it's, it's not really his job. When you say issues on set, you don't have to be specific to that if you don't want to be. But like, what kind of issues arise on a set that can cause divisiveness? Oh man, divisiveness, divisiveness. Divisiveness. Uh, gosh, a, 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 a lack of preparation, maybe. Uh, there's a couple of things too. It really depends on the director. I, I don't want to talk too much shit because I've done. No, that a but lot. you don't have to talk <laughs> shit about someone in specific. But like when you say ha lack of preparation, how does that affect a set? Um, well, for instance, if hypothetically, yes, I'm walking to set. <laughs> they spent two and a half hours lighting with a giant jib on a big giant long crane, right. and it takes hours to assemble and light this giant prison. And um, a scene is supposed to be MOS, no dialogue, um, with me and Brian Goodman at Rock, and we're just supposed to be there creating, you know, cement and making this mm -hmm. wall together as a team. And so uh, I'm walking to set. They're like, hey, we're ready for you guys. We're, oh, great. Hey, let me get the set. I don't like to keep anybody waiting. I'm, I'm usually there early. I'm yeah. like, bam. You work today? Shit. I beat everybody here. You're the only one who's ever beat me here. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I hate being late. Me too. Um, so, uh we're walking up there, and, and this guy says, uh, hey, uh, this next scene, uh, I think we're going to improvise. Do you think you know how to do that? Hmm. I was like, hmm. I don't mind being undercut or anything. It's really about the gig. I'll take right. a bullet anytime." So I was like, uh, yeah, I could totally improvise. Uh, we're walking to set right now, so maybe you can tell me what that's about. And he's like, uh, yeah, well, you and Beaupre, you're, you're at the wall there, and you're building. Do you know Sunshine from the Golden Nugget, by the way? She will suck you off to no end. Um, I don't really know Sunshine, but they're going to want to shoot here in a few minutes, and we're doing a movie with Robert fucking Redford yeah, and so... uh, James Gandolfini, and I'd kind of like to not look like an asshole. Yeah. You know, and actually, if you if you really want to do a great job, if you tell me the night before, I'm happy to like do all kinds of extra writing. I don't need no credit at all, not, ever. Yeah. I, I, I just I just uh, I just want to help everybody shine. So, and so I, I, he couldn't help me at all. This guy. And then um, I said, "Where's Mark Ruffalo?" And he said, "He's in the trailer." I said, "I I need a real five minutes. It's just just five American, not Canadian. Yeah. Five American minutes. Yep. Five strong American minutes. <laughs> real yeah. sixty second yeah. minutes." And um, I ran to his trailer. I said, "This is the idea. Here's the improv. It's this, that. Me and Bopre. What do you think?" Oh, Cliffy. Well, how about that? They're like, "Oh yeah." Now how about this? I'm like, yeah. Then we just threw the ball real fast. Yeah. Like just it took us. Guy, less than a minute. I mean, literally, I just cool. I give him a hug. I'm out of here. He's, What's going on? I'm like, no, it's just a scene. I ran off. <laughs> and what you see in the movies is beautiful. Another comedic moment in that movie, um, where I'm putting all these rocks up, and I think he goes to make me do something. I say no, and he kind of gives me a look. But it's really sweet. And working with Brian Goodman was a blast. Easier or harder uh, for actors? I I'm not talking about stand up. For actors to do drama or comedy. Uh, uh, it's such a general question. It's hard. Okay, to, let me ask you a say. better question. For you, mm -hmm. um, you prefer a drama with some comedy. You prefer a comedy that has a little heart or drama in it. Um, I think I think good storytelling is a balance of both. Mm -hmm. That's not on the rom com side. Like I watched a, a comedy recently with um, Rebecca Hall, who I did Transcendence with, mm -hmm. and. Um, there is a comedian in that, and he's a fine comedian, and he's he's really a great actor too. 
But I, I watched and I thought, fuck, if he would have played those moments just a little bit more real, I'd buy the message of the movie more. And I'd appreciate the comedy on more of a an honest level versus a setup punchline level. Yeah. More of a naturalistic, just we're talking that happens to be funny. You know, we have because it, it takes it's a, a choice. It also takes a little while to beat the joke out of us. Mm, gotcha. I don't I because look, when I see a joke on on us on page. I look at it and it's not good, mm -hmm. but differently, mm -hmm. I I know the joke's coming, because that's what I'm trained. I'm trained. I I know the joke, and instead of listening and just saying the words, uh -huh. it's like I said with analyze this. Robert De Niro was funnier than Billy Crystal because Robert De Niro trusted the words. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He I do. and he as the person as as the character, he was in it and and trusted the words, and he was way funnier than the comedian. Uh -huh. Billy Crystal, because I knew when Billy Crystal knew a joke was coming. Yeah. Because he, he changed. He, yeah, you saw him set right, it up. You right. saw him tee it off. So a lot of that is, I will tell you this, for me anyways, I trust, I don't do that with my own words because I trust my words. Gotcha. I get it. I, I mean, because in, in that's my case, job, to trust my words. Sure. In this case, I could see that uh, if a joke fell flat, there's that weird little acknowledging but not acknowledging that the f joke fell flat yeah you know what i mean it's super subtle you got to like hyper analyze but your eyes already trained for that yeah you yeah. know what's funny is that most people won't catch it no it, it, i can also like um if, you watch improv ever i love improv i can tell when somebody and i'm sure you can too by watching i can tell when somebody's in an improv scene and they're not in the scene. They're just waiting to say what's already in their head. Yep. Do you ever see that as an actor? Fuck yeah. So you, the, you can tell the person's not listening. Yeah. They're just waiting. I can to tell well, my girlfriend's not listening <laughs> when, I, when I had one. <laughs> Wait, didn't you have one? Didn't... I was engaged for a while. Yeah, weren't yeah. you engaged for? And sure you bought was. a house in? Studio City. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, is that a sore subject? No. How long I'll, were you I'll engaged? Talk about anything. How long were you engaged? A year. And... Why did it end? I was tired of getting knives thrown at me. Knives? <laughs> like actual knives? Steak knives. Yeah, steak Fuck knives. Fuck you, knives. Mexican. <laughs> yeah, but you weren't throwing well, the knives. The, the white side of me was like, that's wrong. But the Mexican side, like, oh, that's just a knife. You know? Like, like we were fighting, and she didn't want me to get to the truth of the, to the story. Yeah. And so, she, you know, when, like, I don't know about you, but certain girls, like, as soon as, actually, in any situation, can you ever where, see Beth throwing a knife? I could not. It no. Would, it would, it would, she would hurt herself there's before she threw no it. There's no way she, she would, would actually, throw, yeah. There's no way. Uh, but anytime when people are getting to the truth, pe people have a tendency that you're speaking to get mad. It, it could be the police, the people, your girlfriend. It could be your mother, your dad. Yeah. Um, in this case, we'd get into these discussions that would turn into arguments because the truth was coming. That would get into heated arguments because now we're really close to the truth. <laughs> but wait, did a knife ever land? It, yeah, it landed, but it didn't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> I got a piece of marble missing out of my fucking kitchen uh, marble that from a Rome. Fucking how many times did she throw a knife at you? Um, I think, by the way, I think once, Aaron, is once enough for you? You have a fiance. I'm Mexican. <laughs> Dude, come on. Look, and I, <laughs> I know it's a stereotype. How many times? How many times? How many times? I'll, 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 I can only accurately account for one, but, okay. but maybe two or three. <laughs> but I just remember the big one. The big one was a big steak knife. <laughs> oh my but, god! But she was. What was the argument about? Uh, I don't remember because she lit three more fires of arguments, and I was mm -hmm. focused on the first one. I wasn't doing like we we're doing. We jump from things, but we're having fun, so we're just jumping, right? Yeah. And I do that all the time naturally. Yeah. 
So she was starting to light these other fires because I was getting to this one. And we were talking. She like just she like she gets really violent and uh, she's got her own issues just like I do. and We all do. Yeah. Um, and just it just threw it out of rage. And she, who knows? Who knows if she was even conscious? You girls got that other thing. They, they friggin bleed for a week and don't die. And they got some other shit going on. We don't we can't even fathom. <laughs> so I prick my finger. I'm like, I need to lay down. <laughs> call 911. <laughs> no, don't call 911. I just need to I'll lay down. myself. <laughs> no, I'll die. If I get tased, this blood's going to come flying out. Yeah, by the, the way, I got to tell you a story about getting tased. I forgot. I, we got to go back to that. Okay. So, so, uh, we're like we're talking about. She, she, I just see this knife flying. I'm just, ah, I just parried it. And I go, look, did you really? Yeah. Like, I, I just didn't, wasn't gonna get thrown off subject. I'm talking to her, talking to her, talking to her. And I say, da da da. Now, don't you think? Like, what do you think? Like, fine, you're right. I'm like, all right. Like, half hour passes, and we're talking about this other thing now. Like, she lit three other fires. I'm like, oh, and by the way, that knife you threw it. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's talk about that. <laughs> by the way, I wouldn't have. Been, listen, if someone throws a knife at me. All the entire conversation goes out the window, and all I say is, you just threw a fucking knife at me! She forgot I was Mexican. That's what she hoped was going to happen. She was fighting with my white side and didn't know my Mexican side was dealing with her ass. How long did it take you to throw her out after the knife fight? Um, I mean, did you split up? Fourth of July. So, For- like, like, like a few, four, three, four months later. <laughs> did you sleep well with someone next to you with who threw her throwing a knife at like, you? Like maybe three nights I did it. <laughs> But not because of that. That night when the fight was over, it was over. There was other three nights where I was like, "Yeah, one eye open, like mm. well, it, literally." Because you're like, maybe I shouldn't sleep in this bed. Because I got to tell you something: when someone throws a knife at you, mm-hmm. there's really only one reason. Um, they want the knife to go into you. Really? Yeah. So when you're sleeping with your eyes closed, I'm gonna explain eyes closed to you. Okay. You can't see anything. Uh-huh. So if that person could get a knife and stab you again, I could feel. Yeah, what if she just had put a knife in the side, in the table, by bedside table? I'd still feel her moving the bed. If you moved the, you but you didn't go to sleep? Oh, I, sl- I slept, but I did wake up a few times. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to did you. Did you wake up like this? Whoa, huh? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like, because I wanted her to be calm. Yeah. Because she was traumatized. I mean, she she had, she experienced some some terrible childhood issues, um, things that were just out of her control. And right. she's, um now she's getting healed. I got her into therapy. I mean, once I. Are I, you guys buddies? Buddies is a. <laughs> big word. I'm more like a more like a caretaker. Yeah. You know, it kind of goes one way right now, but uh, you know, hopefully one day it'll it'll change. But you know, I got her into therapy, and that's something she fought. I mean, even when I broke up with her and moved her out, I, I paid for therapy for like three months. Like, I look, I just want you to be happy. Yeah. You don't have to be with me. I just want you to have a good life. Even if it's somebody else, I want you to be happy. You period. now because uh, because of how you grew up, and just you seem like a dude with a huge heart. You wanted to have kids. You want to have kids. I'd love to have kids. I love. I'm a big kid myself. Yeah, I'm a huge kid. So is that something that still for you is on the wish list? For sure. But on the same note, I don't want a child to go through what I went through. Which you know, is, I, what do you mean? Well, just abuse and neglect and abandonment. But, but you're not that guy. My mom was not present at all. You know what I mean? It's like to to, you know, to, to just to be. You might as well, I. It's like in a mini shoe. You know, the security housing unit. I'm like just a kid, like yeah. You know, and I'm getting uh, reprimanded for my feelings or, or asking to spend spend time with my family. But 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 knowing that that is something that is so detrimental, are you? Would that help you if, with raising a kid? Right. For sure, for sure. It's like you want to give the love that you were denied. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so many people perpetuate the same cycle of, of. I will tell you something right now, man. Before my kids, and I look back at who I was, I would not hang out with that dude. Nah. No. The real D-bag? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, just selfish. 
Mm. Not a douchebag. I've never been a douchebag. Mm. But just selfish and like nobody else and there's nobody else in this world. Just me. It's my world. Mm. This is Josh's world. Mm. And those that kids This is Josh's podcast. This is Josh's podcast. And on Josh's podcast it is and I like referring to myself in the third person. <laughs> I think I'm gonna start doing that. But it was like it was the it was the the best thing that ever happened. Living in that room was the it with no money was the best thing that ever happened to me. I bet. It really was the best it's thing that humbling. ever happened. It's humbling. Completely humbling. Gives you perspective, makes you grateful. Okay. Speaking of grateful, mm-hmm. and I know you're a huge fan of Slash and Guns N' Roses. Oh, yeah. Are you psyched for this reunion? As psyched as I am? Uh, because yeah. you you and Slash are buddies, yeah? Yeah, he's like my big brother. Okay. Are you are you fucking psyched for it, or are you just like, huh? Uh, you know what? Look, dude, these guys broke records. It took the Rolling Stones twenty years to break. Yeah, two years. You yeah. Know what I mean? So yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful reunion. You know, it's it's. Uh, I think, uh, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and um, you know, you don't know what you got until it's gone. So I, it's. I think it's a, uh, it's um. You, listen, are you? Which show are you going to? Are you going to Coachella or Vegas? I don't know. I was going to ask him what the best show was going to be because they're going to Latin America too. And then my schedule on Westworld is like number one priority for me because yeah. it's a show that. When they when when you're wrapped when you're done working it's the kind of show that you don't want to go home. Who tell everybody who's in that cast? Uh, gosh, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, Heard of him? Ed Harris. Heard of him? Uh, Jeff Wright. Heard of him? Badass. Um, uh, Evan Rachel Wood. That's an amazing cast to get uh, assembled. Yeah, J- Jimmy Simpson. So, uh, where do you shoot that? Are you? We shoot uh, both Utah and and up north. There's a good like uh, there's a, quite a few locations up north. Like, is it based on the movie? It is. It is inspired by the movie. Yes, and so so Yul Brenner, the character is being uh, reprised by Ed Harris. He's oh, the come I on! Yeah dude. yeah, dude. Come on, he's oh, yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah, he's ill. Uh, and and like guys like that, I don't think get quite enough credit for how good they are in general public. I know in the business, I'm sure he's sure. revered. Yeah, but is it because he never had that one huge hit? Or why do you, or because he is so good, he blend like he just is seamless in a film. Like why do you think a guy like that doesn't get the public recognition that he should? He's so good at fucking what he does. Oh my god, and I'm a huge fan. Oh, why do you think a guy like that doesn't? I don't know. It's, it's kind of a. I don't know. He works all the time. He directs all movies. Time. He writes stuff. He produces. I mean, he's constantly doing all kinds of stuff. Do you have a favorite actor of all time? Um. I, look, I'm a I'm, I'm fourth generation entertainer. It's like I'm born into this business. Yeah, uh, I, I I love what I do. So to to pick out a favorite actor, it's kind of tough, man. I, I'm inspired by so many. So yeah. anybody inspires me, even one time is going to be a favorite. You know, Daniel Day Lewis. I think uh, it comes to mind in a, in a sense because he, he takes so much time to prepare, and he's kind of got the kind of career that he can do like a film a year if he wants to, and he's not going to churn out a bunch of films like we do. I love that about him. I also love that he stays out of the spotlight. Mm-hmm. He, which shows me that he just loves what he does. He does, but there's those downtimes. Like Sam Jackson works a bunch. Yeah. Um, Danny Trejo works a bunch. I like to work a bunch too, and I like to. Uh, be involved with things do you okay so you writing directing acting do you do plays uh no actually adam simon and i were talking about putting up true west yeah oh yeah yeah here in town yeah that still might be a possibility and the uh, there's two other like so dancing you do have you ever done an improv you've done mm-hmm. have you ever done stand-up that's next on the list jack from the ha husband kind of has he you know i put Sheck on stage once 
he told me that was you. Yeah. Oh shit! Uh, uh, the, years ago, I put him on. He also went back over Recently. the ha ha. Yeah, yeah, and he told me he was like, "I'm gonna get into comedy," and I said, "Why?" And he was like, "I'm going. I want to. You know, I want to start auditioning for." comedies i go don't get into stand-up if you want to start auditioning for comedies and he said why i go because your first year in stand-up is going to suck the confidence out of you (laughs) 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 it's going to make you feel like the most worthless piece of shit you ever be because you know that for you're you're everybody look everybody has an idea of 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 what a, who a comic is, what a comic is. Mm-hmm. So you, the first couple times you get on stage, you're sticking. Do you know what I mean? There's, it's hard to be naturalistic, which you kind of have to be as yeah. a comic, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's also like a soul sucking. If I hadn't had years and years of experience with these jokes that I tried in San Francisco, mm-hmm. those three jokes in a row that tanked, I would have fucked started to cry. No, on for stage. sure. It's like the, it's like a, a drug that used to make you feel good, and you've developed a tolerance. And yes. It's like, oh, I didn't get high that time. Oh, what? Because you're bummer. on stage and you've got these jokes that bombed, and now you, you dad, daddy needs his fix. Yeah, <laughs> scratch I it. I will, I will suck your dick and stroke the shaft for a yeah, laugh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> one more hit, please. <laughs> but yeah, so w- you would you get on stage? You think? Fuck yeah. Do some stand up. Yeah, I'm. I, I it's kind of like it's in my blood. I'd be a fool not. To, I mean, my grandpa one up to grouch on his own show. Yeah, but <laughs> Haha's a great safe place yeah. to do it too. I've got a few comedian friends that are like, dude, when you're doing it, man, when you're doing it, they'll come over and I'll start telling stories. And they're just like, they're watching me like audience members would watch comedians. But that's the thing, you're a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. You're a great storyteller, right? So, what, listen, I tell stories on stage too. My process is this I tell the story, truth, from beginning to end, the first three times I ever tell it on stage. Why? One, I want to get used to telling it on stage. Sure. Two, what works without having to fabricate anything? Mm-hmm. That's important, right? Because mm-hmm. you want, for me, I want my story to have a through line of truth. It's important mm-hmm. to be grounded in something. Yeah. So you do it those first three times. You trim things, that it, you shorten up the story, and you go, okay, here's the story, here's what works, here's what needs to be in the story, and then you just add in a couple of jokes. Mm-hmm. If the story, it's a good story, which you already tell, I don't see, I like, why not fucking try I, it? I'm hip, dog. I'm hip. Yeah? I'm hip, yeah. I've got so many, I, I've, I've got some material I've already written out. Have you really? Yeah, I've got some Do you want to tell a joke here? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the joke's coming just off the cuff, you know? Uh, I, mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's part of it's just my experiences, too. I, I was kind of in awe uh, when I went to Japan to do this film. Um, I'd never been to Japan. Yeah, me neither. And then I was like, I'm like, I'm there, and they're like, all right, well, you need to take a cab here. I'm like, okay, a cab in Japan, no problem. I'm like, oh, my God, Japan? That means a Japanese guy's going to fucking drive me in a little car? Like, oh, in Japan? Like, I was just, to me, in my mind, my, my shallow, little ignorant mind, I, I just, I'm picturing, like, you know, those junk cars that are friggin', you know, smash-up derby? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's kind of yeah. how I picture yeah. Japan. I know it's completely <laughs> ludicrous, but I see, you Not know, some, some redneck... You yeah. know, some freaking yeah, smash-up derby. You're picturing a, a street dude, full of bad drivers. Holy fuck, dude. These Japanese cab drivers, it's it's like this little rickety, like a like a Toyota or Datsun B210. Datsun? Like, it was like a four-door oh, mini shit. late 70s, but there was a bunch of them. Yeah. And it's got like a mechanical thing that he would pull this big old lever in the back door and go, 
And I'm like, oh God, ah, where you going? I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm, this is a dress. I couldn't even pronounce this shit. I'm like, here. I'm like, oh my God. And this guy dro- drove like fucking Andy Granatelli. I mean, just boom, 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 zip, 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 zip. I'm like, holy fuck. Like this guy, but he would put any cab driver in New York to fucking shame. Come on, those oh guys. Oh my God, just zip, 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 zip. And he even had time to curse people off in Japanese or whatever the fuck he was speaking. Like, oh my God. I'm like, holy shit, that dude turned around while he was zipping and zagging and fucking gunning it. I'm like, I'm not going to tell him to slow the fuck. This is his world. Yeah. I'm just a squirrel trying to yeah. get a nut. Let yeah. me put my seatbelt on and be a good little boy and enjoy the ride. Because this is what he does every fucking day. And I did. It was like a roller coaster ride. It was so fucking fast. It was like Thunder Mountain. Can I tell you what's In crazy? Japan. Which is a Thunder Mountain. But what happens when you come to New York, America? Suddenly you're like, okay, now I'm not going to drive. But why in the world? How does you, that change? But when you go to New York, yeah. do you put a seatbelt on in the cab? I never put a, why do I never put a seatbelt on in my cab? Oh. When you said I put a seatbelt on, I was like, huh, I don't think I've ever put a seatbelt on in a cab. He was Asian. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got one Asian buddy here yeah. that drives really good. He's like, he's Thai. He's one of my dear, dear friends. Um, he's he's a badass. He's just, he, I, I've got other Asian friends that just like, hey, I just can't see peripherally. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. I, get, I, put, my seatbelt, I put my seatbelt on in, here in America. Like I, I get into a cab, or I get into I an Uber. I all the time I put on a seatbelt. I my my driver picks me up, takes me to the airport. I yeah. do. I'm in the I back. do with an Uber, but I don't with a cab for whatever reason. I don't. Yeah, seatbelt's a seatbelt. I don't need a law to like be convinced. I'm trying to, to can survive. I, can you know I tell I mean? you something? Yeah. I have a friend of mine who's from the south, and he. Um, so I was driving with him, and um, I was in the back seat, and somebody else was driving. And he, was oh, in the fr- he was in the front seat, right? Uh-huh. And um, so I'm like, you gonna put a seatbelt on? He goes, nah, man, nobody. I guess it's the law. And he was like, yeah, no, yeah, but you know what? It's, they can't tell me. It's my right not to. And I go, meh. But I go, uh, you're not gonna put a seatbelt on? He goes, no. Nah. And my buddy was driving. I was like, yeah, put a seatbelt on. We're gonna get pulled over. He goes, no. So we get pulled over. And um, the cop walks up and he's like, hey, I'm gonna write you a ticket for no seatbelt. And my buddy goes, don't you think it's stupid though? Don't you? He goes. He goes. Don't you think it's stupid that people telling me how to live my life? Don't you think it's stupid? And the cop goes, "No, I think you're stupid." He said. He goes. He goes. You know, if you get an accident at ten miles an hour without a seatbelt, you could die. Ten miles yeah. an hour. Mm-hmm. He was like. He was like. Yeah, but that's my right to die. He was like. And that's why we have the law for people like you. <laughs> he He's real. He was like. This is. He was like. I was can't he believe. nice about it? He was laughing. Oh, that's good. He was like. I, he was like. I can't oh, I believe we're having an argument about us trying to keep. He said it's got nothing to do. We're just trying to make sure that everybody's safe. And he said he was like. I've been the cop for a long time. Before the laws, do you know how many deaths I saw that didn't need to be a death? Yeah. We're just trying yeah, to make yeah. sure you're not yeah, a death. Yeah. The guy took the ticket did not he, he put it on but as we drove away took his seatbelt off later in the ride maybe my buddy's doing five miles an hour and he had to brake check my buddy without the seatbelt hits the windshield lost his left front tooth <laughs> <laughs> and he was like shit and i was like see See? See? That's karma just punched you in the face, dude. Yeah, punched you in your I, tooth. I mean, it's like the whole no motor, no helmet law on the motorcycle. I get it. It's your right not to, but hey, if you fall off a motorcycle, do it. Live a, to ride, ride to live. Yeah. yeah. I saw a dude. I, whenever I see guys like in shorts and no shirt riding a motorcycle, yeah. I'm like, oh, you oh, don't wow. like your skin, do you? Do you buy? You ride a bike at all? I have. I, I've been riding since I was 13, not legally. Right. <laughs> 
So I'm trying to do things legal these days. You are? I am. I am. I'm not going to lie. I, look, even when I was in Louisiana, there, there's a look, we did a lot of illegal things. And, and just because I'm with uh, important people doesn't mean I can do them. Yeah. Even though they were like federal judges. <laughs> How good are those drive through daiquiri shops? Oh, I love the drive through daiquiri <laughs> shop. But, you know, honestly, it's like, you know, you're, you're just encouraging opportunities for bad things. It's just a bunch of bullshit truth to like, hey, well, there's no, there's a... There's a closed lid policy, no, no open containers, but there's no law stipulating I can't pull a siphoning device and put it into the thing with yes. the straw. That's the law. So I can carry a big-ass daiquiri, but you can't drink and drive? Like, come on, man, the hypocrisy. Like, let's just get it straight. Come on. Yeah, but you, the, the, for Look, me— do, do, to answer question, do I love them? Yeah. Do I think they're wrong? Yeah. Yeah, they're wrong because <laughs> they're 100% they, wrong. they'll tell you they put the straw in the cup, but they just leave the last half of the paper on top of the straw. And, they and say, tape over the lid. And they say, please don't take the straw uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know you can't drink that in the car. Okay. Yeah. What's the first thing you do? Well, yeah. I Fucking, mean, you take they, it. They, and you go down the lazy river of Laberge they, they, while you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I like, I'm drive through daiquiri shop. Obviously, is too far. But I'm happy to see all the recreational, the states legalizing the recreational weed. Oh, are you kidding me? That's a beautiful thing because along with that comes all the medicinal purposes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people that really, really need it, especially yeah. these returning veterans that don't get help from the government, how to reacclimate to society and not kill people or or look to children or women or any of these crazy things. Or have you heard? Have you? There was the, on HBO Real Sports. They, they talked to a bunch of I think it was Real Sports. They talked to a bunch of old NFL players mm. and people in the end, and they were like, "Oh, I would rather not be addicted to Vicodin." But I need something to help with the pain. Oh man, I've football is a collision fucking sport, oh, for right? Sure. Yeah. And so the reason they like weed more is because it also eases the pain, but it doesn't have that Vicodin when it gets a grip on you. Yeah, that's hard to have it let go. No, yeah, well, big pharma would like that, just like the privatized prisons would love to keep you locked up. Yeah, you know, for minor traffic infractions. But do you <laughs> think that's why the weed, w the weed, the, the <laughs> that weed will never be uh, federally legal because of the big pharmaceutical companies? I think that's one of the bigger things. But there's a we can't deny the healing that's happening. There's people that are overcoming all kinds of ugly things. Yeah, um, both from, from children all the way up to adults. So, um, you know, it, it's 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 a fact. You know, so we want, we want to keep that from the people. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's money. It's greed. It always comes down to money. I mean, racism disappears with money. All I watched my grandfather. I mean, grandpa used to tell me these stories of having to go to the back of a restaurant to uh, order his food. Well, my, my mom, my grandma, my uncle, they'd all wait in the car, and he'd have to go to the back. And in the, when it was off-season time from, like, the farmers that were growing cotton, yeah, um, it would have a sign out front saying, you know, no Negroes, uh, Mexicans, or dogs allowed in the back, eat in the back. Those were the three? Yeah. Oh um, and I, I heard these stories a bunch when I was a kid. And, and in summertime, or when it was cotton picking season time, all the Mexicans would come in and pick the cotton, and my grandpa would perform shows with the family. That's when the sign would come down because you got a bunch of hungry Mexicans. You think a racist? Racist is racist, yeah. but when it comes to money, I'm not racist. I'll take your Mexican dollars, your <laughs> Mexican-American dollars. Yeah, here, come eat in the front. Oh, no cotton to pick, and you're not going to eat the food, and you eat in the back. I will tell you, I've, I've said a lot lately, I think a lot of things— that are being called racism is more classism. It's just who has money. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. Who has money? I agree with you. I mean, OJ is free because he had money. Thank you. Yeah. It has nothing to do. If well, what about the Alfalenza kid? Oh wait, he's white. I forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. White and rich. I forgot. <laughs> Never mind. I'm just saying. Killed four people. Stole a twelve pack. <laughs> that is the craziest thing. <laughs> stole a twelve pack. But if stole you, it. If you look Underage, at, 16. if you look at, but even guys like, look, you know who Leonard Little is? Leonard Little played uh, linebacker for the Rams. 
he killed somebody in a vehicular uh, a drunk driving. Mm-hmm. He never saw jail time. He was. Mm-hmm. It was now. I'm not even telling you if he's black or white. He had money. He played for the Rams. Okay. No jail. Okay. Now he was black, but that's not racism. That's money. Money mm-hmm. buys you. Yeah. Buys you a lot. Buys you a fuckload. Oh, I, I've got a lot of friends that don't have the connections I have or the money, and watching them get sentenced to things that I I know they didn't do or. You know the kind of laws they they they're, they're judged by a different system yes. than middle class and upper class. But also, just look when you have money. Mm-hmm. I know people go, "Well, lawyer's a lawyer." No, no, no. no. There's no, such no, a difference. Only poor people say that. Yeah, there's a, such a difference between a good lawyer and a ba- and a I lawyer. I take that back. Rich people because they, rich they people can have the yeah. Rich, rich people, the yeah. Rich people know there's a huge poor people want to get the rich the big. But good. they they get stuck with the public defender and oh you're fucked. Yeah, and you're fucked. Yeah. Um. All right, I know we got to We got It's six thirty. Okay. Uh, okay. Plug what you want to plug. Uh, uh, you got to check out uh, Prison Ramen, my cookbook. With Gustavo Alvarez, myself, with a forward by Sam Jackson. Ten um, percent of the proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, helping at-risk gang youths. And I got Triple Nine coming out in a couple weeks. Huge. Should we tell? Kate Winslet, Casey Affleck, Woody Harrelson. Um, That's a decent cast. Anthony Mackie, Norman Reedus, Aaron Paul. Who I've Holy known both of those guys for twenty shit. years. Yeah, so we were uh, brothers in real life, and then part of the the military brotherhood and the blue line brotherhood, and it's it's a it's a it's a <laughs> you're gonna love this film. Yeah, guys. it is a fucking roller coaster ride. Holy fuck, I can't wait to see. I it. I can't wait to see it. I've seen the um, the previews, and I'm like, that is is bad. Yeah. And then I got Man Down, Adam Simon's film, and Dito Montiel with Shia LaBeouf and uh, Gary Oldman. I have to tell Jack you, Courtney. I just I don't know him personally as a performer, as an actor. Mm-hmm. Shia LaBeouf, I think is phenomenal he's a talented talented cat yeah. i mean i watch I him on screen love for him. i watch him on screen i know people have whatever personal experiences or uh, 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 you can't deny his performance on screen wait oh, you see him in our film he's so good oh he destroys it in this one does he really he's fucking sick he's so fucking badass in this film man down I, I, yeah I, I i i'm a huge fan of his i mean he, i hope he whatever was going on with him i hope he's straightened his life out uh, you hope. know the greatest actors have the greatest demons this is where you got to keep them on a leash and sometimes they Montgomery get loose Montgomery Ward. you ever read that book Montgomery Ward, nah. I know he is, obviously. The the book about him is like fucking. Have you read? No, Montgomery Cliff. Mon- Mon- Montgomery Cliff. I'm sorry, Montgomery, Montgomery Cliff. Cliff's super yeah. dark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know more about that one. That book is like the craziest book you'll wow. ever read. I have it. I, I read a bunch. I was reading a bunch of. Uh, Did books. he write it? No. Okay. No, he didn't. Did write it talk it. about that crazy bar scene in the pool table? And- no. Okay, we'll talk about that. Later. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, the the triple nine for me, I can tell when I say, "Oh, I got to see that in the theater." Like that's when I know I want to see that. Movie. It, the, the 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 stuff that Hillcoat does and shoots and the acting, the, 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 the there's there's scenes in there that'll make you jump because I I jumped and I'm in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen it? Yeah, I jumped a few times. That's awesome. I was like, whoa. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, all right, and listen. Uh, if you uh, Cliff is open to you throwing knives at him, so <laughs> we've discovered that that's not a deal breaker for him. No, <laughs> it is eventually. It is eventually. We what we learned today. That's not a deal breaker. Uh, which well, is, I've also disarmed her a few times too. Yeah. So those are the ones that didn't get thrown at me. I guess that was. So uh, see, listen, he's open to. You didn't know, need a taser. Didn't need a gun. I I when I get tasered, it was the worst fucking thing. <laughs> I thought I was going to shit myself. Did you? No, but... Uh, Did you shart? A little pee came out. It happens. It happens. Yeah, a little pee came out. I think I'm peeing now. I have to pee really badly. <laughs> um, 
Guys, I'm going to be home this weekend, which is the 20-something, 21st, 22nd. I'm going to be at the Fort Lauderdale Hard Rock Casino. You live at the Hard Rock now? Yeah. What? I'm taking residency over the Hard Rock. Shit, dude. I'm just I'm camping out for the fucking GNR show. Copy that. Um, But I'll be at the Hard Rock in Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale 28th, 29th, maybe. Something like that. 27th, 28th. 27th, 28th. Yeah, okay. 26th, 27th, 28th. Um, and then after that, I don't have any idea because I have a terrible memory. Uh, but um, and then um, tell your friends, tell your family about the show, and we love you, man. And thank you for all the questions online that I got to ask Cliff. And um, do you have anything else you would like to? Uh... No, man. I think we're good. I'll be back. I hope so, man. Fuck yeah, dude. I mean, we've only really, honestly, I have like a zillion more questions. We've only <laughs> there's there's you are there's so much depth to your story, dude, and your experiences. Do do you have you ever written them all? Like, would no. you write a book? Yeah, I've been kind of people have been asking me that lately a lot. So I'm like, I tell enough of the stories I can remember them. I will tell you something. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book, right? Mm-hmm. It was the most cathartic thing I've ever done. That's what I hear. It was like yeah. cleansing. I almost got a clean slate. Huh. In a lot of areas that I didn't know I needed them. Gotcha. Do you know what I mean? Like I was like, oh, I didn't know that I would that had cluttered my brain so much, mm. and um, it was really, really good for me. I mean, and the people it was New York Times bestseller. And I think what happens is when you put that truth and that which you do into everything, it comes through the page, and people can't stop. Mm. So I, I I would encourage you to do it. It's a it's a fucking crazy experience. We'll start with the stand up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, guys, thank you very much. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't get to your calls. I know I was ignoring them the entire show. Uh, <laughs> I'll be I, back. I couldn't break away. I'll uh, be back. He'll be back. All right, guys. Thanks. Peace.